Hello again and welcome to Shooting from the Lip. This is your host, John Sirio, along with my co-host, Rob Schiff. Rob, how's it going in New York? Doing well up here, man. Can't complain. Rob's got a little bit of big news, a little bit of unrelated WWE news, but worth uh, mentioning if you feel like sharing with the audience. <clears throat> sure, yeah. I recently got a job in uh, uh, for WBOY in, in Clarksburg, uh, West Virginia, and I'll be their sports reporter, uh, anchor, starting on February 19th. But that's not going to stop me from uh, – you know, contributing <clears throat> with John for sharpshooters, however I can, uh, whether it be a podcast or articles on the website. So that's not going to stop us from uh, doing our thing. Good to hear you have your priorities straight, Rob. You know it. <laughs> um, but congratulations anyways. Thanks, buddy. Uh, we got a lot to cover, though, before you head on over to WV. We're sure going to cover some WWE. And uh, <laughs> what better way to start than with last week's Royal Rumble. Now, yep. I know that was about a week ago, but still we're feeling the effects, the ramifications, and I think it had to be one of the best Royal Rumbles I can remember, certainly in the last five to ten years. Sure. Um, when you think about it, I, I took the time to watch every single Royal Rumble from 88 all the way through 2017 ahead of last Sunday's event, and, uh, you know, some of it was fun and some of it not so much. Definitely some highs and lows in that 30-plus year tenure, but I would say this uh, this last installment had to be up there. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, what it boils down to is I think you know, we finally got what we wanted when it came to the actual Rumble match, and that's that's really been the complaint the last few years is that, you know, <clears throat> we're left a little, uh, you know, dis- disappointed, really, for the last few Rumbles, whether it be, you know, uh, the year when Brian got eliminated early and he was a favorite to win it and, you know, Roman Reigns winning it. And then mm-hmm. last year with the kind of finish with, with Orton winning it, um, I think they got it right this year in, in both Rumbles, really. Um, you know, Nakamura, fan favorite, uh, and giving us that dream match of, of him and Styles for WrestleMania. I, I mean, I haven't looked forward to a main event for WrestleMania after a Rumble in really in a really long time, so... I mean, I can't see how anybody uh, can, you know, can complain. Sure, they're probably, you know, not. There's some people that aren't fans of, of Nakamura as an as a wrestler or as a entertainer, but for the most part, I think they nailed this one. Especially like we talked about right after the Rumble, putting him in a in a situation where it was against Reigns, and you know, we did think that Reigns was probably going to pull it off to have Nakamura go over Reigns like that. I think it was perfect. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. And let's just give you a little bit of that recent Rumble history. We'll we'll even start with the new millennium. I mean, even way back in the Attitude Area when that was uh, closing out, you had, I mean, Vince McMahon winning in 99. I'm not sure if uh, I'm a huge fan of that, but it was fun. Uh, But you had guys like The Rock, Steve Austin, Triple H, Lesnar. And then in 2004, we won't mention who won that, but I think we all know. Yep. Um, And then we had guys like Batista, Mysterio, Undertaker. John Cena in 2008 at Madison Square Garden when he came back at number 30. Even Randy Orton and Edge closing out 2009 and 2010. I think those were all pretty solid wins. No real complaints there. But when we get into 2011 through 2017, let's run through some of those names. We've got guys like Alberto Del Rio winning in 2011, the 40-man Royal Rumble, biggest one in history. A little bit of a letdown. Sheamus in 2012 goes on to beat Daniel Bryan in, I believe it was eight seconds or 12 seconds after that kiss from A.J. Lee. A little lackluster. John Cena in 20, 
2013, getting his second Rumble win, going on to fight The Rock again. Then you had 2014, which was a disaster, with Batista coming back and winning that. Right. Which was very much not what the fans wanted to see. They wanted Daniel Bryan. And fortunately for WWE, they, they got Daniel Bryan there one way or another. But that could have been a disaster. But then Philly 2015, Roman Reigns, even The Rock coming out to celebrate with Roman Reigns wasn't enough to get the fans over on that one. That was that was bad. 2016, Triple H. That one was sort of compelling, even though we kind of saw it coming with Reigns going in as number one as the champ, having to defend it, and he gets the final three. Then we had Randy Orton 2017, which really didn't do much for me. I don't know about you, but yeah, a little bit lackluster there as well. So speaking of Roman Reigns, since 2015, I believe 2015, no, 2014, excuse me, Reigns was in the final three, either runner-up winner or third-place winner, third-place finalist Mm -hmm. in the last four Rumbles. And now with this 2018, he was the runner-up again. So since 2014, he's been there in the final four and only uh, second place a couple times and then winner in 2015. Um, So he's been there at the end pretty much every time. Right. Five years. He's the guy. But having Nakamura definitely take that spot definitely uh, made the fans happy. And they didn't waste any time to let us know what they were planning to do with the Styles-Nakamura matchup. The dream match that everyone's salivating over for at the Superdome in New Orleans. So, yeah, I, I give them an A on that one. And then, of course, with the Women's Royal Rumble, you and I both agree that was that was phenomenal. Yeah, it was a lot. I mean, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I, I kind of had a feeling going in that you know, you know, one rumble some most of the time feels like it's too much, especially the last few, let alone two now. And I thought they paced them pretty well. You know, like yeah, especially having the men's first and and feeling good about that, and having the women close it off. I, I mean, I thought there were a lot more surprises in the, in the women's rumble than the men's rumble. You know, a lot more, um, you know, surprising entrants like Lita and, and, and closing it off with Trish, I thought was a good, uh, a good choice. Mm-hmm. I just, I felt like it kept a really good pace. Um, and there weren't too many low points and it didn't feel sluggish at all. You know, having Sasha in there to kind of be like the, the one to, to, to start that legacy of, of who's in it the longest. I think that was clever. Um, I, I really had no complaints coming from the Rumble. I like that they... They all teamed up and got Nia Jax out because I felt like she was going to win it going in. So I thought it was cool. I thought everything they did in the Women's Rumble was really good. And giving Asuka the win, kind of keeping her as the, uh, you know, the undefeated, you know, kind of, you know, when is she ever going to get knocked off? Kind of keeping her strong. I thought it was really, really good idea. Right. You and I both agreed uh, going in. There really were only about two or three horses to bet on in this race. We had Asuka, you had Nia Jax and a potential debut of Ronda Rousey, which uh, she didn't appear in the 30 women match, but she made her presence felt shortly thereafter. Let's go over some of these returns. We had Lita at number five. We had Tori Wilson at number nine. At 12, doing an incredible move off the top, just like the old days. You had Michelle McCool, Undertaker's wife. She was great. great. She She looked great. She did great. She lasted a while as well. Vicky Guerrero was fun at 16. Kelly Kelly at 19. Jacqueline at 21. 
Yep. He's had the surprise of Ember Moon coming in, whether you were surprised or not, at 23. And then Beth Phoenix, the Elmira native at 24, had a fun little moment with Natalia. And then Mickey James, of course, kind of, uh, she's a current, but what's old is, what's new is old again, or old is new again is what I'm trying to say. Sure. You had the Bellas return, and then, of course, at 30, Trish Stratus. So yep. you had some fun, fun little pairings and matchups there, and I think they did a great job with the booking of this. Yeah. Um, would have loved to have seen someone like a Michelle McCool go a little further, but you know what? You can't complain. You put over the new talent, and Asuka looked dominant, right. which was the goal, and I think they did a, a great job of this. Absolutely. And knowing that Stephanie McMahon was going to be on commentary, you had to see it coming with Ronda Rousey somehow. I was a little surprised not seeing her in the 30 women lineup, but it all made sense once she uh, once she showed up afterwards. And, yeah, I was happy. I was happy with what I saw. Yeah, I was happy, too, that she came afterwards. Kind <clears> of <throat> uh, when the dust settled and the night ended and I had a time to reflect about it. I liked the way they handled it. I didn't really like the execution of how she came out. And, you know, I was, I mean, just maybe being a little picky. I didn't like the music. I didn't like her, uh, you know, smiling as she came down to the ring, uh, to the ring. Right. I kind of hoped and thought maybe before, I mean, obviously before she came out that she was going to come out and kind of be like she was when she was in UFC, you know, like mm-hmm. just straight faced, you know, all business. And Which maybe, is what we got from WrestleMania 31. Right, right. That was around around 31. Yeah, I thought she was going to continue like that. So I was a little thrown off, of, you know, with the whole... Uh, the, the rowdy Ronda Rousey. Not yeah, it just kind of felt a little cheesy. But I mean, at the end of the day, it all it all depends on how she performs in the ring and and what if they make her like a Lesnar character where she's like unbeatable or right. It's just right now the fact that she showed up at at Royal Rumble to close it out and hasn't showed up on TV yet. And I'm I'm not sure if she's going to show up tonight, but it just feels like it was more for the moment than about what they have what they have in store for her. You know, it was just throw her out there and let the crowd know and let the universe know that she's here, but let's just wait and find out what we actually want to do with her. And let's talk about her a little bit and what we think is going to happen. So she's obviously going to be dominant. We know that. And they're not going to be throwing her on TV every week. So they're going to try to make her a special draw. Right. So what, what is the smart way to go forward with this? Do you think with the elimination chamber coming up this month, when they said that Alexa Alexa Bliss will be defending against five other women in the chamber, there's a very real chance that she doesn't walk out and go to Mania as champ, especially now that Nia Jax is not guaranteed a main event at Mania, which would have been a, a nice little way to tie up that title match picture with Bliss versus Nia Jax. Right. Longtime friends. Um, but So it looks like it's possible maybe we see Ronda Rousey at the chamber, whether or not she's in a pod or just shows up after and attacks somebody a.k.a. Shawn Michaels and Undertaker several years back to set up their match. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to say what they're going to do, or will she show up on SmackDown in some capacity and go after Charlotte Flair's title? It's, right, yeah. There's, I mean, there's a bunch there, of possibilities. Yeah. Um, there's Asuka, there's Rousey, there's a lot of variables here. Um, so it'll be interesting in the next few weeks to see what happens with the setup. And usually the writers are more on their game come this time of year, so it'll be, it'll be fun to see. So yeah, what are you, you uh, predictions? What are you actually hoping that happens? You want her to be a, uh, you want her to kind of prove herself until she gets that shot, or are you kind of? I'm no, leaning, I, I think that she's. I, th- I mean, I don't want it to happen, but I think 
they're going to book her in some sort of role with Stephanie, um, which I don't like. I don't like that. I, I've, I've heard things about her maybe teaming up with The Rock if he's available for WrestleMania. Right. Doing that whole That's thing. one of the big rumors is a mixed tag match, kind of um, stirring, re-stoking the flames from 31, WrestleMania 31 with Rousey and The Rock against Triple H and Stephanie. But if they can't get The Rock, they're talking about maybe someone like the GM from Raw, Kurt Angle, or maybe even a Braun Strowman going up against Triple H um, after that, after the blow-off from Survivor Series that we saw between Strowman and Triple H. So they have options. Obviously, The Rock would be their top pick, but if they can't get him for whatever reason with his schedule, they've got a couple other uh, replacements in mind. Yeah. Um, I would love to see her jump over to SmackDown and go after Charlotte Flair. I think that would be a marquee matchup. And then that would keep Ronda Rousey away from Asuka, have the two dominant women on two brands. And then down the road, you can set up a, a feud between those two and maybe keep Asuka undefeated until she meets up with Ronda Rousey. Something like that might be the way to go. Um, but I'm just not sure that they're going to go ahead and do that. I think they are going to try to ease her in since it most likely will be her first match at Mania. I don't think they're going to give that away before Mania. Um, and I think it probably will be a mixed tag to try to um, lessen the load on her, so to speak, so she doesn't have to carry the whole match at such a big venue with the Superdome holding 75,000 people. Um, that's a lot of pressure. So I I do expect to see a mixed tag of some sort, whether it be The Rock or Kurt Angle or Braun Strowman. Okay. I mean, I just feel personally like I, I, I think that's where they're leaning to, but I just right. feel like it would – kind of deflate a little bit of the energy she has right now, a little bit of the momentum, because even though I didn't like the way she debuted, she does have sort of an uh, uh, an energy about her now that she's going to fight. And it would be a little underwhelming to see her go up against someone like like Stephanie, especially a UFC right. fighter. Right. Yeah, and, and you're right. I think you're, you nailed it. I think her against Charlotte is, is absolute money right now, especially their styles, even though, We've never seen Rousey in a in a wrestling ring. I think the way they've you know the way they've booked Charlotte, she's the most uh, fitting I think woman that could go up against Rousey right now, just at, based on athleticism and and the way they look and your size. Yeah. yeah, I think that's yeah absolutely. I think that's someone like an Alexa Bliss would not stand a chance. No, yeah, logically no. or in the ring. Exactly, and I think I think Charlotte's a good a good choice and. I mean, looking really far down the road, if you're going to look really far down the road, if you keep Asuka undefeated to SummerSlam, maybe give Rousey a long-term plan of, hey, look, you got you got eight months now or, or you know, six months to develop yourself and get to a point where we can really book, you know, six months down the line, someone two, two women who've, who haven't lost yet. And that would be great if Rousey can learn what she's doing maybe quicker than most other female wrestlers and and get really good. Think right. about how great that would be six months down the line, Rousey and Asuka, both women who haven't lost yet. I think that's a that's a pretty good plan. Even if they hold it off for another year until the next Mania 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be okay with that too. Yeah, they got to start building her. I think if they're going to go that route of where she's like, you know, an, an intimidating kind of female Lesnar, so to speak. Sure. I think they got to start her actually wrestling other, you know, female wrestlers, not, not putting her in, in a silly you know, a gimmick match at at the biggest show of the year. I mean, we see the whole comparison with the four horsewomen, Charlotte Flair uh, spearheading that group with mm -hmm. the likes of Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, and Bailey, and now 
with Ronda Rousey has her own four, four horsewomen of the MMA world with Jessamine Duke and the likes of Shayna Baszler. And Baszler, right. we've seen the success she's having in NXT, just nearly took the strap off of Ember Moon in her first title defense. Sure. So we can see they're really valuing these MMA uh, these MMA superstars, and they're they're obviously wanted to put the marquee name of Ronda Rousey on the main roster without trying to water down the momentum, as you would as you, were, you were saying earlier with the uh, with throwing her into NXT. So yeah, capitalize yep. on it. Throw her against Charlotte Flair. Don't try to water it down in a mixed tag. Don't try to stoke the egos of the McMahons. If you want to have some kind of rivalry with Stephanie McMahon, why not um, have it like a McMahon Austin kind of thing? Because obviously she can't hold her own against a Ronda Rousey in the ring. Right. Much as she might like to think that she is a taller woman, but still, that's right. not gonna, that's not going to be realistic. So have it be an authority figure kind of thing if you want, and then have the real rivalry rivalry be with Charlotte Flair or right. with Oscar uh, down the road. Sure. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yep. Um, in terms of follow up to the big pay per view on Raw, um, we saw. Some interesting things. Asuka going against Sasha Banks. That was a quality match. Yep. Had a scary moment there where Sasha did her little uh, dive <laughs> yep. through the ropes and landed on her head. That was frightening. Yeah, that was frightening. Uh, thankfully, she was okay. Um, of course, Stephanie McMahon and Asuka kicking off Raw. So we still don't know what Asuka's choice is. Stephanie telling Asuka to wait until what happens at the Elimination Chamber with Alexa Bliss defending. So, I mean, they're keeping some suspense. The big bulk of the show was based on the Elimination Chamber qualifying matches, and you saw that first one was the blow-off between Strowman and Kane, and that was a relative squash match, I would say. Pretty quick, last-man-standing match, and Kane wasn't standing for very long. Uh, what did you What do you think of that that match to start off Raw? I thought it was good. I mean, it was... It was uh... I guess it was – I thought it was just a good way to get Kane off TV because uh, I haven't been a – man needs to run for mayor in Tennessee. Right? <laughs> yeah, I hope he's okay. He's hope got a lot on his plate. Um, clever way to make sure I was hoping they'd do it a little sooner than they did. Uh, right. But it makes Strowman look strong again, which, um, I mean, he didn't lose at the Rumble technically. And it keeps right. Strowman that, you know, the fierce figure – I like what they did. I like the the matches that it was a lot of wrestling. Surprise! There was for Monday Night Raw. Yeah, there was. That was. I was happy, especially after that Raw twenty five when we had what two matches. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like they caught up and kind of balanced it out. Um, were, yeah, were thought, you? Oh, go ahead. I thought it was good. I thought the matches were good. I thought uh, all three choices on who won were, were you know uh, were good, and um, like I said, I mean I'm really looking forward. I like that Elias is getting. Uh, the recognition for being a pretty good, he, he kind of feels like, like this year's or, or in the past few months, like he has that Bray Wyatt feeling almost. Remember when he does Bray, have that little bit of dark edge to him. You're right. Yeah. Like when Bray was kind of coming up and he was obviously a heel, but people were buying into it. And I feel like every week on TV, especially there are more people that kind of do the whole walk with Elias thing. And he, it, it almost feels like he's becoming that, that heel, like it's like it's not. I'm not gonna compare him to Stone Cold because there's there's no comparison. But you know, when when Austin was was becoming a, you know, a right more popular figure, even though they were writing him as a heel, he was still developing kind of a a polarizing, uh, you know, fan base. And I think Elias is getting that. I just wish he was a little more polished in the ring. I feel like a lot of his shtick is more 
what people remember as opposed to what he does inside the ring. And that's going to matter more because I, I feel like Bray Wyatt's an incredible in-ring performer, a lot better than Elias. So, but yeah, I had no problem with the matches. I thought they were great. And I'm looking forward to tonight to see who, uh, who the last. Right. Well, you can see that Elias is improving in the ring from when he started. Yep. And you can also tell the guitar playing in, is uh, enhanced <laughs> well. You know, yep. I think it's taking lessons on the side. Exactly. I think WWE's forking over some cash to let him take, take some uh, lessons and they're pulling a few strings for him, if you will. <laughs> so I think it's striking a chord with the audience. Um, the, uh, the, issue, <laughs> the issue I had with Elias in his qualifying match, not the fact that he qualified, but why does he have to qualify against Woken Matt Hardy? I understand they, they kind of made it okay with Bray Wyatt's interference, if you will, with the music playing, distraction, but why can't you let Matt Hardy do his thing and not squash any momentum he can get before it starts? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that, of where that rivalry is going. It started off great. I mean, I feel like they, they chose the perfect opponent for for Matt Hardy, Woken Matt Hardy, to debut his, you know, his character with. But that that rivalry just, to me, Raw 25 killed it. And absolutely, that's going to be in a lot of fans' minds. Like, you know, why why have that match at Raw Twenty Five be so bad? That could have stole the show, especially at the Manhattan yep. Center. Yeah, and I feel like that's going to be talked about, and it just de- destroyed what could have been a really, really good rivalry that could have gone somewhere. And I was even thinking after our first uh, podcast, you know, they could have had it where they had it was just it was just a perfect situation they could have had those two guys fighting in the back and then they somehow make their way to Brooklyn or vice versa. They start off in Brooklyn and they right and right. they get to the you know they get the to the war rages across Manhattan. Yeah, you don't even have to have a finish to the Manhattan. This is Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt take Manhattan. Yeah, think about how funny their 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 kind of road to the to the Manhattan center could have been. Like Matt Hardy kind of calling cabs or something ridiculous. But and That's... they didn't have, even have to have a match. They could have just had a brawl, and that would have been more memorable. You, know what, I, I you know what I say? Forget the job at WBOI and just try to be a writer, Rob. I like that idea. <laughs> I you mean, picture Matt Hardy in a cab. Yeah, they could... subways, spilling his his deal to the fans, the masses, recruiting people in the Great War on the way to the Manhattan Center. Yeah, I mean, it was it, the story almost wrote itself. You have two venues. Goes up at Barclay, up the, at the Manhattan Center, especially on TV. I know they did it off TV, but I mean, and those two were perfect for that situation. And they had a match that was, I mean, probably the worst match of the year so far. Um, definitely one of the worst I've seen so far this year on TV. Um, and and to keep this rivalry going now with him interfering in that match, I just that rivalry has to go somewhere quick because the fans have no interest, and it's almost it's ruining both of their characters. Like there's no, there's no positive coming from either one of them. No one cares about Bray Wyatt anymore. It feels like because he loses every rivalry he's in and he's not going to gain that much, that much uh, attention if he beats Matt Hardy, because it almost feels like this rivalry is going nowhere. So it's a tough spot and I I hope they fix it quick. There was a graphic we tweeted out earlier in the week. Um, where we saw the percent of wins, the win-loss uh, tallies for Bray Wyatt <laughs> over the past. Yeah, you saw that years. too. He, uh, 
he's getting about a 20% win margin or less each year. And when, then you wonder why he's failing. Yeah. It, Give the man uh, his due. I, know. I don't understand it. This guy was champion less than a year ago. I mean, it almost right. feels for like about a month for a yeah. month. But the third match moving on. I mean, before we move on, I think the only way to really salvage this now is make them a tag team. Make Bray Wyatt and Woken Matt Hardy a tag team. Yep. Let them earn each other's respect and let them go after the bar <laughs> yeah. at WrestleMania 34. That's a good That's could a good you, idea. Could you imagine how fun that could be with the, the different characters and all the different directions they could take that? Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Uh, I mean, Jeff Hardy, I don't know how much longer he's out, but let's assume he's out through Mania. Right. I mean, what better way to use both characters and get the, uh, the tag team picture looking a little more exciting. We'll get back to that tag team picture in a little bit, but let's talk about that third qualifying match, John Cena and Finn Balor. Okay. For the third spot in the Elimination Chamber. First time ever John Cena squares off with Finn Balor. It should be a huge deal, and it closes the show. But did it steal the show? I'm thinking not. Um, not, the, not the greatest of matches. I mean, it was fair. A um, little bit of back and forth, but now that Finn Balor saddled with the uh, with the club with Gallows and Anderson, which should be a big deal, but doesn't feel like it. It does not feel as big of a deal as it should be. Yep. Um, so we pretty much had an idea that Balor's not going to be in this chamber match because of that very reason. If he was on his own, I'd say there was a shot, but I don't see him as one of the contenders because we know he has to do something with the club. So we pretty much knew John Cena wanted to insert himself into the chamber in some capacity, and that's exactly what happened. But are you happy with that choice? Do you think they made the right call in putting John Cena in there in spite of Finn Balor, or do you think they could have had Cena and Balor in that in that matchup? They could have, but I think going off of your point with the club, um, I kind of felt like I saw it coming, and and just knowing that you know Cena's kind of going for that seventeenth title and. I knew the direction that they were going to go in, and I think the reason why is because Balor's attention is 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 more with his tag team. You know what? I'm I'm really upset because I feel like, you know, I'm a huge fan of the '90s, and mm-hmm. I miss the factions, and I miss that Nation of Domination, and and having, you know, DX, and you. Know, that's what the the club feels like it could be, and it, it feels. Could be. Like the, right. N, like the NWO, not saying that they even r- are remotely close, but when, when we had the NWO and we had the red versus, the, you know, the, the wolf pack versus the black and white, things like that. I feel like the WWE is trying that, but whether it's based on injuries or just poor writing, like we had the Wyatt family and we right. had the Shield and we had the New Day and we could have the Balor Club, all these factions, but I feel like they're all not being booked correctly or... You know, unfortunately, Ambrose goes out with an injury, so the right. shield has to break up. And yeah, that shield timing couldn't have been, could not have been worse. Yeah, and I just feel like the the Balor Club, even though it's it's a good idea to kind of bring those guys back together, I just don't feel like it's going anywhere because they don't really have anybody to go up against. Exactly. If they waited till a healthy shield was back together, or if uh, Roman Reigns didn't go, go sick for a month right. with uh, whatever it was, the mumps, or I believe it was, or something yeah. on those lines. If he didn't get sick for a month and then Ambrose gets get injured within another few weeks of that return, yep. I mean, you could have had a club versus shield type of match. Exactly. But that wasn't wasn't in the cards, I guess. But you do have 
a faction like Titus Worldwide, Rob. Don't forget them. <laughs> they're they're going places. They fought they the bar. Fought and, yeah. And they got Dana Brooke there, and they're trying to recruit other people. So you never That's know. True. That's true. But uh, in the tag team world, uh, we saw the bar take out Jason Jordan and Seth Rollins at the Rumble. So we have new tag champs, of course. Yep. Um, I really don't see a bright future in the in, in the immediate future for Seth Rollins or Jason Jordan. I initially thought maybe have Jason Jordan go up against his dad at Mania, but that doesn't seem realistic based on what the storylines have been in the recent months. I thought they were going that way maybe a few months back in the fall, but it, it didn't pan out that way. It looks like what it could be is a Jason Jordan-Seth Rollins match, and if that's the case, how underwhelming can that be? Yeah, I mean... I, I wasn't a big fan of – I'm not a big fan of Jason Jordan, especially the way they're writing him. He just feels like – I think I, we talked about this before. It feels very reminiscent of how Rocky Maivia exactly. was reacted to, but just you don't see that there's any kind of upside. At least with Rocky Maivia, there was kind of a a frustration level building, and that whole Nation of Domination switch was just perfect, and it just allowed him to become his own character. I don't see that with Jason Jordan. I don't believe his character. I don't believe the way they're kind of writing him kind of silly now. Um, I don't see it becoming to where the fans even buy it. If he becomes like a heel or attacks Seth Rollins out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. I don't think the fans are even going to buy into that. I think. Be never. Jason Jordan right now. And Finn Balor is kind of lost with the club. And those two guys have a history. I mean, Finn Balor beat Seth Rollins to, to, you know, to become the first ever universal champion, right? Sure. So why not put those guys in some sort of rivalry or some sort of, you know, uh, storyline and just them have a match at Mania? That would be incredible. I mean, we're already going to get, if, if barring any crazy uh, title, title changing hands, we're already going to get a dream match with Nakamura and Styles. Mm-hmm. Put those guys in a match together. Like, make just, I just want to confirm with you because we got a little bit broken up there. You were saying putting Balor against Seth Rollins and Jordan. Is that your what you're no? Saying? Just put Balor and Rollins. In All right, okay. Just put those two guys back in a rivalry somehow. I don't know how you'd write it in, but to ma- imagine those guys going up at, at, at Mania. Think about the demon know, Finn Balor or just regular Finn Balor. I would say the demon, but but e- even if not, think think about. Nakamura and Styles think that they're going to have the match of the night, right? Just mm-hmm. imagine the the pressure or, or to perform at an even higher level if they know, you know, ba- Balor and Rollins are going out there earlier in the night. I mean, it's going to – I think it would be incredible, especially that we're already going to get a dream match with Nakamura and Styles. I think it will be two dream matches in one night if you put Balor and Rollins there at Mania. I think that would be incredible. I'd love to see it. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, though, unfortunately. Yeah. I just don't see, because they're, they're settled down with their partners, with Gallows, Anderson, and then Jason Jordan. Right. Unless they throw those guys all in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. I mean, it's possible, and I, I'd be happy to see it. I think it's a good idea. Um, so we'll, we'll hold out hope, but I'm not holding my breath on that one, unfortunately. No, neither, neither am I. Based on, you know, just based on the last few years, I don't see that happening. Um but I mean, we've been fans of wrestling a long time, right? There, there were there sure. were matches back in the day where there wasn't really that much of a need of a storyline. It was like, hey, let's put these two guys in the ring because they, we know they're going to tear the house down. Mm-hmm. You know, like we know they're going to go out there, and everyone wants to see it. So let's just write it because the fans want to see it. I mean, no one would be mad if 
Rollins and Balor were somehow written into a storyline together and it culminated at WrestleMania. I think it would be incredible. You're right. I don't see it happening because they're kind of too in storyline, uh, you know, in terms of story, but I think it would be phenomenal. Um, or even insert them into a, another title picture, maybe an intercontinental title picture. You sure. Saw, you saw the, uh, the match between The Miz and Roman Reigns and Reigns failed to reclaim his intercontinental title, which he took from The Miz before he went to film his movie. Yep. Um, so The Miz is looking strong, probably stronger than he was back when he fought Cena at Mania 27. That's true, yeah. He's, he's looking good. He's probably at the peak of his career right now, which is quite a statement, having been there over 10 years in, in WWE. So he's doing some great work, and I've heard they're, they're thinking of giving him a big push and doing some big things with him come Mania. Who yep. would be a good dance partner for him in the uh, Superdome? I heard rumors of maybe a Braun Strowman as a top face going against him, but mm. I'm, not, I'm not sure if I like that. I'm not a big fan of, and, and, and that's funny because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Bret Hart. So, you know, it, it didn't bother me back in the day when kind of technical wrestlers fought bigger, bigger brawler kind of guys, like when, you know, Bret went up against sure. Lethal or Razor Ramon. But this is no Bret Hart with the Miz. Exactly. And I think that's the problem is that it's, for one, it's, it, it won't be as good of a match because I don't think the Miz could carry a Braun Strowman or even psychologically create a storyline where he kind of takes out Strowman's legs. Cause that's what Brett would do. He would kind of go low and he would drag the match out and make it more of a sure. title like around the ring post. And... Exactly. Like yeah. I don't see the Miz doing that, but who knows? I mean, he's, he's had a great year. I think he won what he won wrestler of the year last year, right? I think he was a Rolling Stone uh, wrestler of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's, I think this would be the perfect time to do it if you're going to put him up against a guy like that. But at the same time, I'm not either of, of guys going after the universal title and then kind of settling it almost feels like for a, for for a constellation a, prize. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the Miz would have to go up against somebody maybe who, who's, who hasn't uh, tasted that, you know, universal championship, you know, de depending on somebody who loses the elimination chamber, maybe, maybe an Elias or, what about a Finn Balor and having um, the Miztourage having to handle Gallows and Anderson on the side? That's true. Yeah, that would be a good. Yeah, that'd be a good point. That'd be entertaining. Finn Balor kind of feels more like an Intercontinental Champion, right? Than he did as a Universal Champion. Um, yeah, that's a good. Could, could even be a Cruiserweight Champion, but we'll talk about that a little later. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, uh, there's, there's some options, but I would like to see somebody other than a Strowman. But then again, it would give Strowman a title, which he hasn't really held, so. Right. Yeah, it's a possibility. Um, how about on the blue brand, Rob? We know uh, what happened at Royal Rumble. The, the co-championship pipe dream didn't really play out. Right. And uh, so we know Styles will most likely be facing Nakamura since he doesn't have to endure an elimination chamber to get there. He just has to get through either Sami Zayn's or Kevin Owens, as we found out on SmackDown. <clears throat> so we're turning best friends against each other yet again, possibly. It could be just a, a tease and that maybe it's just a little bump of the road and their, their friendship will grow stronger, stronger than ever with this little bit of an obstacle to overcome, just <laughs> another bump of the road that'll make them a, a stronger unit. But there is a real chance that they could have a rift and this title shot could be that rift. So we saw a little bit of, little bit of animosity between the two. We saw Sami Zayn walk out on his tag partner in the in the main event with Styles and Nakamura facing 
Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And then to close out the show, we saw Sami Zayn backstage being interviewed, talking about how it's his time to take take his shot because Kevin Owens has had his time. So it should be interesting to see what happens on SmackDown Live. Keep in mind, we still have Shane McMahon kind of threaded in this rivalry, and uh, right. he could be introduced yet again into the Mania card come April with with right. these guys in some capacity. But well, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Because they're kind of in a, in, a, in an awkward position now since, I mean, we got the dream match we won, right. and for the last few years, that middle pay-per-view, whether it be Elimination Chamber or now I know SmackDown's going with Fastlane, mm-hmm. like, what do you do for Fastlane now? Do you do you put the title on the line there, even though we know Styles Oh, absolutely. You, they they have to put the title on the line. Um, but we yeah. know the end result. They're not going to put – unless they shock us and throw, like, a triple threat and ruin them a dream <laughs> match and put Sami Zayn in there. I mean, nothing against Sami Zayn as a talented superstar, but what we want to see is Styles Nakamura. And I think adding another talented wrestler like Zayn would only water it down. I think you want to see – Absolutely. You want to see those two I, go head-to-head. Um, I think it's got to be Zayn at Fastlane to face him. Um, I think we've seen Kevin Owens and Styles played out so much, and I'm, I'm so bored with that feud. We talked about this in the last podcast, how it was advertised in December, how they'd have one last match to close out 2017 in their bitter rivalry and possibly never face each other again. And it seems like all we're getting in 2018 is Kevin Owens <laughs> and AJ Styles and now Sami Zayn. So at least make it somewhat fresh and have Sami Zayn against Styles, have him win this match on SmackDown. Or yep. maybe, I don't know, maybe Shane will find a way to screw him out of the title match that Brian promised, but I don't think that'll happen. I think it's going to be one of those guys, hopefully Zane. Um, it just seems very similar to a year ago where we had Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho. And, you know, they had some bumps in the road, too, where they broke off their friendship only. I mean, eventually, eventually it did end, but... Prior to that, they they were split for a few times and came back and said that they were friends and they, they forgave each other. So we could see a temporary break only to come back at the pay-per-view at Fastlane. That might be the way to go, actually, because if uh, if we look like – if it looks like these two are broken up and it's just Zayn versus Styles and Kevin Owens does show up, maybe Shane McMahon will come down and get involved in some capacity as he likes to do. Um, I really, I don't know exactly what they're going to do, of course, but I got to think authority figures will be involved in some capacity. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel, it feels a little stale just knowing how long Zayn and Kevin Owens have, you know, they had that long rivalry, obviously, from even before WWE. Right, right. And then they break into the WWE together. I see they had their issues. And... Yeah, and now they're friends. And then even if they break up now, it's like they've kind of done that before. Mm-hmm. And. I don't think it would feel that epic going into a, a a match at Mania, even though they would probably try to tear the house down. I mean, you know that whenever they fight, it's a, it's a, it's a quality match. Most of the times, it's a great match. But we've seen it so many times, and it kind of feels like when when we got Cena and Orton all those times, it's, it's yeah. just it wears thin. Um, I think they're in, in an awkward position because we know that Styles is not letting that belt go before you know, mania. And what do you do for the next, you know, eight, nine weeks until then? Do you kind of keep, keep them going after it? Do you break them up? Do you insert Shane? Do you insert Daniel Bryan? It's, I mean, at least we're, at least we don't know what's going to happen. It doesn't feel like 
we know what's really going to happen. So there's kind of still some excitement and an intrigue to watch SmackDown to see what, what route they go. If there but, was some way to get Daniel Bryan cleared, I know that's what everyone wants and it's very right. unlikely. I mean, I'd be okay with a tag match between Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn against Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd be okay with something like that. Sure. I just don't think that's going to happen. But, yeah, it's just a big chunk of time to fill. And I don't envy those writers on SmackDown because right. they are not they don't have many options right now. Exactly. Um, and you have to utilize the talent. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are main eventers now. Exactly. Uh, Kevin Owens for some time, and now they've, they've pushed Sami Zayn to that level. And it would be a shame to try to drop him down to mid-card now. I don't think they can do that. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I really don't know what direction they're going to go. So I'm definitely going to be paying attention on Tuesday night to see what happens. Um, what happens after SmackDown on Tuesday night? We're not talking Mixed Match Challenge. We're talking 205 Live. Not sure if you're a huge fan of that. I know not many are. Uh, no offense to the talent. There's some phenomenal wrestling going on there. Some high-level high stuff especially guys like Cedric Alexander and TJP. Yep. But really the storytelling is really leaving something to be desired. And the whole issue with Enzo Amore, first of all, you had, you had Neville, a dominant cruiserweight champion. He leaves because he doesn't want to keep losing to Enzo Amore. And presumably he wants to be back in the main roster mix as well. But, no, they kick out a talented guy like Neville, who has so much upside, to put Enzo Amore with the pick in the title picture and hold on to that with an iron fist. And then Enzo has his Enzo issues that we won't get into. I'm sure you've read all about it on our site or elsewhere. But Enzo is out of the picture. And then you have Cedric Alexander, who is due a title match at Royal Rumble, all of a sudden... That title match is gone. Now it's a big tournament. And who creates a tournament that's going to culminate, a 16-man tournament culminating at WrestleMania? Who is the brainchild of that? It's the new Raw GM. We had a big fanfare of who that would be. We, Daniel Bryan comes on to introduce. And who is it? Do you know, Rob? I don't. It takes me even a minute to uh, remember the guy's name. But it's <laughs> Rockstar Spud. Rockstar Spud from TNA, but that's not his name. It's Drake Maverick. He's the new 205 GM? 205 Live GM is Drake (laughs) Maverick. He's Rockstar Spud from TNA. He's got that British accent going, um, but they don't even utilize what notoriety he has from his previous stint in another wrestling business, but uh, he's Drake Maverick, and he's He's the maverick, the pioneer, if you will, of the new 205 Live. So it's really a show that's in dire straits. I really, really am thinking that show is going to be canceled within a, a year or two. But they put so much into it, so much into it, they don't want to let that go away. So let's think of some ideas to try to revive 205 Live. I mean, five revive. We'll call this segment. Okay, cool. Um, I personally think that they should be just inserted onto Raw. I don't right. see why you know. Even going back to the days of WC, WCW Nitro, 
you know, they still, they had three hours too, and mm-hmm. they figured out a way to write the cruiserweights in. Um, three hours is three hours. You yeah. Know, that's you have time. time. You can get yeah. at least two matches in. Exactly. You have plenty of time. I mean, there was a TV title for God's sakes on, on, on Nitro and they fit right. that. Um, I just, yeah, I think they need to put more wrestling. Uh, they've, I mean, they've, they've been doing this for years, making raw about, you know, story and interviews and, not wrestling that I think they added this 205 live show and they have so much time to actually put them on raw and develop their characters to where more people are watching it. Because by the time SmackDown's over, you know, maybe not that many people want to watch another hour or two. If, there's so much content now. <laughs> it's too much. Then you have NXT on Wednesday. And... I mean, I'm a huge wrestling fan and I, I try to stay diligent with the product and it's a chore. You know, right. I enjoy wrestling and I feel like it's a job sometimes to just watch everything to be up to date between three hours of raw excuse me three hours of raw you have two hours of smackdown after that you have an hour of 205 live they've been throwing out the mixed match challenge on tuesday nights wednesday night is nxt and then this past year they've had a pretty much a pay-per-view every two weeks it seems right so at least it looks like they're they're starting to die down on the the number of pay-per-views for this year which i applaud um, but still, there's so much product out there. It's really watered down. And if they just took the time, if they feel like they might be at a disadvantage with a three-hour show, utilize that to show the new stars, showcase them, and mix it up a little bit there and put some character development in there because not enough people are tuning in to 205 Live to care about it. And you see people sitting on their hands on Monday Night Raw when the 205 Live cruiserweights are coming out. Exactly. Uh, yeah, um, they don't do enough there. And that's where they should showcase them and you know, make that the match of the night. Make the cruiserweights have to perform so people could watch 205 Live. Because if you made those matches really, really good on Raw, you know, maybe people would be like, oh, you know, maybe the wrestling is actually pretty good on 205. Right. I mean, think about NXT. Why do people like NXT more? Then, or why, do, why does NXT TakeOver always kind of get that better review than the pay-per-view mm-hmm. the following night? It's because the wrestling is better. It's because the matches are better. You know, the main the event storytelling is better as well. Yeah, so. the main event at TakeOver was phenomenal. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's always like, hey, beat that SummerSlam or, or beat that WrestleMania because the wrestling is phenomenal. If you made that 205 Live show kind of similar to where people are like, dude, I can't wait to watch that 25-minute mm-hmm. classic, a match that we know is going to be great. It's just no one cares because the storyline is so poor. So something tells me that Drake Maverick is not the key to turn that around. <laughs> well, Enzo didn't help it. And not to say Enzo was really pushing the, the show anywhere, but at least he was a character. That... He was entertaining. He actually yeah. made it exactly. somewhat enjoyable for me to watch. Um, yeah. I have to say, I, he wasn't the most talented in-ring performer, but at least he had a personality and made yeah. it interesting and made you want to dislike him and see him handled in the ring by somebody like a Cedric Alexander. Um, but it, it's almost like the 205 live division is like the, what the women's division used to be, the divas. They're yep. just not given the time. They're not given the development. And now there's a big women's revolution, and I applaud that 100%. I think it's great. I think it's great they're getting their fair share with the Royal Rumble and the Elimination Chamber and Hell in a Cell and main eventing Raw and pay-per-views. I think it's a way to go. Great, great job. But now the cruiserweights are suffering like the divas used to when they were called the Divas. 
and they really need more development. And it looks like they're not willing to put their stars on 205 Live. You have guys like Finn Balor. Now, I know he's he looks like a main event player, and he was the first ever Universal Champion. You don't want to forget that. But he's got to be under 200 pounds. I don't have his, his stats on me right now, but the guy is pretty small compared to your usual raw talent. That guy definitely would fit in on the 205 Live roster, even if it's as a guest once in a while showing up. That's a good point. I mean, yeah, you need somebody. They put gold dust in there. We know he's not 205 material in terms of weight class, but at least some character. They knew they were starving for some sort of star power or some kind of personality and charisma, and he was like a little bit of a shot of a fresh fresh injection of personality there. Um, So they need something. Now, look at NXT. they got guys like Johnny Gargano. Why shoot him up to the main roster where he's going to be undersized? They're not. You saw what they did with Daniel Bryan. They're not going to want to push him. And he doesn't, I don't think he has the, the appeal that a Daniel Bryan is to make the authority have to listen with the, something like the Yes Movement. I don't think Johnny Gargano is going to be able to pull that off. And I just see him like a Tyler Breeze. He was so talented in NXT, and now he feels like he's just absolutely wasted. I mean, just recently with the whole Breezango thing and the fashion files, at least there's some kind of entertainment value there, but he was being totally wasted and he's still being wasted as an in-ring performer. Guys like Tyler Breeze, Hideo Itami they put in there, but he has no personality. I mean, Roderick Strong would be a good fit. I mean, he's not not high in the charisma level, but he brings stellar matches. He's got a different style. We'll call it the strong style, if you will. But Bring Gargano, bring Strong, bring those UK guys. Like they, they put Tyler Bate in the tournament. He faced uh, the first ever cruiserweight champion, as they're calling him, TJP, who won the cruiserweight classic, and he fought him last year in a qualifying match or last week in a qualifying match. So at least they're bringing some other talent from NXT in the UK division. Pete Dunn is a phenomenal athlete. He's a star. The bruiserweight. He's the UK champ. Right. He won it from Bate early this early 2017. He's held on to it for about a year now. And I really think he, he's the real deal. Make him show up on 205 Live on a regular basis or semi-regular basis, not once or twice a year. I mean, you need to do something. And Rey Mysterio, bring oh, that guy back. took the words right out of my mouth. I know Rey Mysterio. They're talking <laughs> with him. There's reports that he's very optimistic about returning. But are they going to put him on the main roster to go against? They have so much talent on the main <laughs> roster that they just don't know what to do with it. Right. Have him. A, he's the definition of cruiserweight. That's what we think of when we think of cruiserweight. Guys yeah. like him. Get him in 205 Live and see what he can do. Sure. So it's a mess right now. But there are ways out of the mess. It just is a matter of whether they're willing to, to make that commitment to the product. Right, and and they got to start. They got to start with, with, like you said, with just kind of, whether it be in ring performer or uh, someone with a little bit of a personality. Uh, I definitely like the idea of Finn Balor going down there. It would somewhat feel like uh, him going down to the minor leagues at first, but if right. you can start making that habitual, where you kind of bring him down, and then Rey Mysterio signs, and then before you know it, you're have you you got seven great, you know, personalities and in-ring performers there at the same time. So people are looking forward every week to watching, you know, Mysterio. Maybe, are we going to get Mysterio Balor? Are we going to get, you know, Pete Dunne? It, it, they, have, they have a chance 
to make it phenomenal. It's just, ta- it's going to take a lot of, of, of a lot of creative writing and a lot of in-ring performers to make it happen. And people that are, are they willing to do it? Are they willing to at first quote unquote, you know, go down to the minors, right? What it's going to feel like at first. But if you can make that division, it really, really good. It doesn't know? have to be the minors if they develop it enough. Exactly. On Monday night raw and make that championship mean something. Exactly. And showcase it at the, in the main event of raw. They're saying sure. that the main event of Raw now is more around the 10 o'clock hour as opposed to the 11 o'clock. And they've been putting a lot of the, the heavy lifting at 10 o'clock. Right. And letting, there's still important matches that go on in the main event at 11, but the real main event they're saying is 10. So you can have the cruiserweights at 11 o'clock. Um, you've had the women advance the, to the main event of Raw, have the cruiserweights do the same. Right. And that'll make the title feel more important. Have guys like Finn Balor, Rey Mysterio get – Neville back somehow, get him back, have them go after it, make it feel important, make it feel desired. Exactly. And I think that that's a recipe for success. So basically WrestleMania is upon us. We saw some changes on Raw. They have a new theme song. They have a new commentator. Looks like they're changing things up after Raw 25. What do you think of the coach coming back? And what do you think of Booker T's exit, which is a story in and of itself? Yeah, I mean, you'll have to kind of brush me up on exactly what happened uh, between him and Graves. But uh, in terms of the coach, I always loved the coach. I thought the coach was great back in the day, and I thought he was kind of like Kevin Kelly, you know, just kind of like a silly character. And I hope they they write him in somehow uh, so he does like back, you know, Backstage interviews, because yeah, he has such a great personality, and I and I mean, based on his first uh, week, he kind of felt a little rusty. That's normal, um, but he didn't feel like he was going to be that jokey character that he used to be. Right. He almost more like the ESPN yes. uh, coach. It's ESPN know? coach now. He's like he's like a <laughs> right. coach of a basketball coach. He's not a he's not a wrestling coach. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it's, I'm hoping it was just uh, first week jitters and. He'll get back yeah, that's what it, of things once he gets more comfortable. I mean, he's yeah. working with Corey Graves for the first time. He, he knows Michael Cole, but he probably doesn't know the same Michael Cole that was in charge of everything, who, who called the shots. So it might be a little exactly. bit different dynamic for him. Yeah. Um, but I think he's a definite upgrade to the booth. I've always, always was a fan of the guy. I remember uh, back in 2006 watching the NBA Finals with the coach. I actually really? ran into him and Randy Orton and Edge and a few others at a uh, sports bar after a live event in <laughs> state New York, and it was a great time. And I uh, talked about my my aspiring wrestling career back then and my not-safe-for-work uh, wrestling name that I won't repeat on our podcast, <laughs> but he got a kick out of it, and uh, it was a fun time. I got the pictures to prove it. But, um, yeah, I think he's definitely much better than – what what is Booker T's big line? Shucky ducky quack quack or something like that. What is that? I don't know. What a joke. But Booker T, he belongs on the pre-show. He's he's a fun character, and I think he shines when he can show that personality. When he can show the Booker T that's the six-time world champ, and not the Booker T who's trying to dissect the psychology of a match. Exactly. Yeah. He belongs on the pre-show panel. But he didn't really want to go there, as we found out. Um, Stories are circulating that all this banter we've heard back and forth in the past weeks and months and seems like years between Corey Graves and Booker T, 
apparently there was some real back backstage beef between the two guys. And Corey Graves kind of petitioned to get Booker T out of the way now that Corey's becoming a power player here. They got the new power rankings coming up on SmackDown Live, and Corey Graves is definitely rising in the power rankings on the commentary table. Now doing SmackDown and Raw, which I don't think is the best idea. Right. But that in mind, that he's definitely better on the on the mic than uh, Booker T is. Sure. So I'm glad he's gone, but apparently Booker didn't want to go. And now Booker T is threatening physical harm to Corey Graves. I'm going to give you some quotes from what Booker T had to say, some of excerpts from his his podcast that he has. Um, let me let's here's what Booker T had to say. Quote: If I got Corey Graves into a fisticuffs, I would beat him down like he stole something. I would be whooping his expletive all day long. My thing is, I'm a nice guy until you get on my bad side. And I guess Corey Graves is on his bad side now. Later on, he would go on to say. If I catch Corey Graves on the street, I'm going to do something to him. I ain't going to do it at the office or the airport, but if I catch Corey Graves on the street, you see that little Buffon hairdo he got, I'm going to rearrange it for him. Oh, man. So, yeah, th- there's, some, uh, there's some animosity, some bad blood there, I would say. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess, I I mean, I don't know too much about why or when it when it started, but I did hear a little bit of a, you know, kind of an uncomfortable bickering between the two, and I think... Right. What Booker T might be upset about is that Corey Graves called him out on just mistakes, either either oh, mistakes yeah. he was making or just not being not being good for that job. And maybe it was unprofessional to do that on the air. Right. Uh, Corey Graves is really good at what he does. Um, and and obviously Booker T probably feels like, hey man, you haven't proven yourself in the ring, but that we're not in the ring now. We're we're commentating matches, and if you don't. If you're not good at it, you know, it's a different kind of uh, competitiveness now. So exactly, you don't got to threaten the guy, especially knowing that he's hurt. Right? Isn't isn't Graves kind of isn't he hurt? Yeah, I don't think he's physically <laughs> able to uh, compete. I think he had a history of concussions. Right. So he's he's done from in ring competition as far yeah, as I think. Know. I think that's kind of childish, especially on on Booker T's part. You know, Hall of Famer. Uh, to, but, to kind of call out someone who's not even an in-ring performer anymore, sure, and, and, to, and to threaten him, like you know, you guys, you guys could have handled it when you were together. You know, now you're going on your private podcast or, or public podcast and, and calling them out. I just don't like threats, and especially between guys that have worked together that probably could have hashed it out in the sure. back. You know, so I mean, uh, the HR department in Stanford probably isn't too happy about this. Exactly. Um, let alone Michael Cole. So I think they're keeping them separate. So I don't think you're going to be seeing Graves and Booker T on the commentary, whether it be in the pre-show or on Monday Night Raw anytime too soon. Wow. But you never know. But Corey Graves earlier today kind of stoked the flames a little bit on Twitter, quoting Sun Tzu. Is that how you pronounce it? The Art of War? I'm not, not 100% on that one. Yep, I think so. Uh, quoting the art of war saying thus the expert in battle moves the enemy and is not moved by him. And in parentheses writing, yes, this is what you think it is. Just, just in case you weren't sure if he was trying to sleep. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Graves is being a little childish as well. And yeah, yeah, that's a little, that's kind of like a whole two wrongs don't make it right. You know, I mean, obviously, but, or, uh, Corey Graves is an educated man and, uh, he's trying to show off with his, 
well-versed repertoire of studies and yep. going after somebody who might not have had a, had the opportunity to read that book. I don't yeah. know. I mean, Booker T might not have read the book, you know, but basically, <laughs> basically, uh, this could be a publicity stunt. We don't know. But uh, what if we have a, a buried alive match <laughs> at WrestleMania 34? Booker T's already buried on the commentary, <laughs> but I think Corey might have dug his own grave here. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, if, if that's I mean, the Undertaker going, needs something to do. He uh, could interfere in that match. But yeah, maybe maybe, maybe Graves got cleared, and that's the whole be. secret here. And that could be his kind of first match. And they're already building some. Honestly, uh, who knows? I, I doubt it. I, I have. I highly doubt it. But we did see Michael Cole fight Jerry Lawler one year, so it. <laughs> you never know in WWE. Anything can happen, as they say. Let's uh, let's finish this off, Rob, with one last topic. Let's talk about the main event at WrestleMania 34. We're not talking Styles Nakamura. That's one main event, but we're talking about for the Universal Title, which has become the new end-all, be-all of titles, replacing the WWE title for whatever reason. But yep. it's going to be Brock Lesnar. And now we know that Roman Reigns will be facing Bray Wyatt in an Elimination Chamber qualifying match tonight. What are the odds, would you say, that maybe like a Matt Hardy interferes or interjects in some way to get vengeance on Bray Wyatt, and lo and behold, Roman Reigns qualifies for that Chamber match? think the odds are pretty good of that happening tonight. Yeah, I think Roman is gonna. I think Roman's gonna go on and I'm losing. Match. I mean, I'm trying to figure out all these different scenarios in my head of you know maybe they'll pull kind of a surprise, a, some kind of surprise out on, at the Elimination Chamber. I mean, it was Bray Wyatt last year who won the Elimination Chamber on SmackDown, who won the title there, and then had to face Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble winner Randy Orton, who was his disciple in the Wyatt family, and then we had that whole. Burton the yeah. house down storyline with Sister Abigail and then the secret right. powers that came to Bray Wyatt, which mysteriously vanished after WrestleMania. And I mean, you never know. A lot of crazy stuff can happen at the Elimination Chamber. Um, what is your dream scenario for that Universal title match at WrestleMania New Orleans? Well, I think, you know, Roman and, and Brock, I was there for 31, and that was a great match. Um, you know, they have great in-ring chemistry together, and I just don't know if they both have the same amount of heat that they did back then. Right. You know, people obviously still don't like Roman Reigns. And Unless to be honest, coming Brock... off his big win over Undertaker, 30, or back then. <laughs> exactly, and Brock's kind of losing some steam, too. You know, the fact that he doesn't show up enough and doesn't defend the title enough, I don't think that match closing off the show... Uh, is what people want, obviously. I mean, they definitely don't want Reigns to be the number one contender. But I think, I think, I think Lesnar's losing a little momentum too. So um, you have to do something with Lesnar, even though he's not defending the title from Natomania, to get people uh, convinced that Lesnar is still that guy. And I really don't know, to be honest. I don't know what they can do to inject enough, well, you know, steam into yeah. that into that rivalry. Let me ask you this. How about this for an idea? What do you think? So we have Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns. It looks like they're on a collision course at Mania. What yep. is the one major thing they have in common around WrestleMania time? What is the only thing that Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar have both done that no one else in WWE history has ever done? Uh -huh. 
That's a good point. They both beat Taker. They both beat The Undertaker. And who have we not really gotten a definitive answer on what's happening <laughs> in their future from Raw 25? The Undertaker, right? Yeah. What would happen if somehow, some way, we're going back to the Superdome, Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans, where Undertaker's streak was broken by Brock Lesnar? Undertaker has not been in a match since he lost his second time to Roman Reigns. These two guys get in the ring in the Superdome. Why not throw a little Undertaker action in there, make it a triple threat, make him have some kind of affiliation with the match? I don't know if he's going to be the referee, but have him somehow, some way interjected in there or even throw him in one last title match and make it a triple threat match. Now, I think that would make it a heck of a lot more interesting. And that way, Undertaker doesn't have to carry the whole load of a one-on-one match. He can take a big fall on the outside of the ring and rest for 20 minutes while the other guys do battle. I think that would be a... In my perfect world, I think that would be the ultimate send-off for The Undertaker. Have him go back to the place where his streak died. Give him one more chance to get that title back. I'm not saying I would give him the title. But if they do, I mean, Lesnar could lose to... Um, Reigns, he could lose to Undertaker. We don't know. I mean, it, there's so many ways to deflect the loss, as we saw just this past uh, week with Kane taking the pin to save Strowman and Lesnar. They could throw another triple threat in there and make it a little more interesting. We know that the triple threat that came of the Lesnar-Reigns match at 31 sparked some new Who's life that? in there with Seth Rollins. Why not have The Undertaker be that new spark at 34? That's a phenomenal point. I just wish that they wouldn't have ended 33 with with him hinting at right. retirement. Or not, not even hinting it. Just kind of, it felt like that was his retirement. Right. So, uh, yeah, that would have been perfect. I, I like the idea I like the idea of a triple threat match. I don't think uh, Taker's matches over the last, you know, three or four years have been, you know, anywhere near. Yeah, they've been poor. They've been poor. Yeah. You know, they haven't. I mean, his last great match was probably with, with Punk at 29. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, if, if, if Taker has really worked his ass off this year and could, could be a, a a formidable third guy in that scenario, look, no one's going to not want the Undertaker in a rivalry, even though he can't really wrestle anymore. No one would be upset at him being in the third guy in a triple threat match. It's the perfect way. It's the perfect way to end it. Against yep. the two guys that beat him at Mania, it would take off the pressure of a one-on-one contest, and it's in the Superdome in New Orleans. It's the perfect recipe for me. Uh, yeah, but, I, I like. But the only other not... the only other way I see Undertaker, Undertaker coming back is he makes an appearance at the Chamber and does something to John Cena, and have him be the other guy he he fights. But I think the triple threat is the way to go if it was me. Yeah, yeah, I. I... One last thing, where, do, where does that put Cena, if, hypothetically, that triple threat match happens? Honestly, what I would like to see is Bobby Roode lose that title to Jinder Mahal and have Mahal be the dominant anti-American U.S. champion going into Mania and having Cena go after that. That's what I'd like to see. I don't need to see Cena get in his 17th title at Mania. It doesn't have to happen there. It could happen at SummerSlam. It could, be, could happen at Survivor Series or the Royal Rumble next year. Sure. There's no rush on that. I mean, he can still perform at a high level. Might not be at his peak level, but he still can go. So right. He's got time. Cena versus Taker would have been a fun match to see back in their prime. And they did square up, I believe, on SmackDown maybe once or twice, but never when they were at their heights of their careers sure. together. So you never know. Um, but I'm holding out hope for that.
We'll That's just a good idea. See what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's the perfect, perfect scenario. Yep, I haven't thought about it, but I, I like it. All right. Well, guys, let us know what you think. If you think that triple threat would be a good way for WrestleMania 34 to close the show, whether Undertaker goes over or not, feel free to hit us up at Shooter Sharp or on sharpshootersonline.com. Check out the latest articles and more podcasts in the repertoire. But for now, Rob Schiff, John Serial, we're saying goodbye to you. Thank you for listening to Shooting from the Lip. And until next week... We'll see ya. Bye, buddy. Hello again and welcome to Shooting from the Lip. This is your host, John Sirio, along with my co-host, Rob Schiff. Rob, how's it going in New York? Doing well up here, man. Can't complain. Rob's got a little bit of big news, a little bit of unrelated WWE news, but worth uh, mentioning if you feel like sharing with the audience. <clears throat> sure, yeah. I recently got a job in uh, uh, for WBOY in, in Clarksburg, uh, West Virginia, and I'll be their sports reporter, uh, anchor, starting on February 19th, but that's not going to stop me from, uh, you know, contributing with John for sharpshooters, however I can, uh, whether it be a podcast or articles on the website. So that's not going to stop us from uh, doing our thing. Good to hear you have your priorities straight, Rob. You know it. (laughs) Um, But congratulations anyways. Thanks, buddy. Uh, We've got a lot to cover, though, before you head on over to WV. We're going to cover some WWE and uh, what better way to start than with last week's Royal Rumble? Now, yep. I know that was about a week ago, but still we're feeling the effects, the ramifications. And I think it had to be one of the best Royal Rumbles I can remember, certainly in the last five to ten years. Sure. Um, when you think about it, I, I took the time to watch every single Royal Rumble from 88 all the way through 2017 ahead of last Sunday's event. And, uh, you know, some of it was fun and some of it not so much. Definitely some highs and lows in that 30-plus year tenure. But I would say this uh, this last installment had to be up there. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, what it boils down to is I think you know, we finally got what we wanted when it came to the actual Rumble match. And that's, that's really been the complaint the last few years is that, you know, <clears throat> we're left a little, uh, you know, dis- disappointed, really, for the last few Rumbles, whether it be, you know, uh, the year when Brian got eliminated early and he was a favorite to win it and, you know, Roman Reigns winning it. And then mm-hmm. last year with the kind of finish with, with Orton winning it, um, I think they got it right this year in, in both Rumbles, really. Um, you know, Nakamura, fan favorite, uh, and giving us that dream match of, of him and Styles for WrestleMania. I, I mean, I haven't looked forward to a main event for WrestleMania after a Rumble in, really, in a really long time, so... 
I mean, I can't see how anybody uh, can, you know, can complain. Sure, they're probably, you know, not, there's some people that aren't fans of, of Nakamura as, an, as a wrestler or as an entertainer, but for the most part, I think they nailed this one, especially like we talked about right after the Rumble. Putting him in a, in a situation where it was against Reigns, and, you know, we did think that Reigns was probably going to pull it off to have Nakamura go over Reigns like that, I think it was perfect. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. And let's just give you a little bit of that recent Rumble history. We'll, we'll even start with the new millennium. I mean, even way back in the Attitude Area when that was uh, closing out, you had, I mean, Vince McMahon winning in 99. I'm not sure if uh, I'm a huge fan of that, but it was fun. Uh, but you had guys like The Rock, Steve Austin, Triple H, Lesnar. And then in 2004, we won't mention who won that, but I think we all know. Yep. Um, and then we had guys like Batista, Mysterio, Undertaker. John Cena in 2008 at Madison Square Garden when he came back at number 30. Even yep. Randy Orton and Edge closing out 2009 and 2010. I think those were all pretty solid wins. No yep. real complaints there. But right. when we get into 2011 through 2017, let's run through some of those names. We've got guys like Alberto Del Rio winning in 2011, the 40-man 40 40 Royal Rumble, biggest one in history. A little bit yep. of a letdown. Sheamus in 2012 goes on to beat Daniel Bryan in, I believe it was eight seconds or 12 seconds after that kiss from AJ Lee. A uh, little lackluster. John Cena in 2013 getting his second Rumble win, going on to fight The Rock again. Then you yep. had 2014, which was a disaster, with Batista coming back and winning that, right? which was very much not what the fans wanted to see. They wanted Daniel Bryan and Fortunately for WWE, they, they got Daniel Bryan there one way or another, but that could have been a disaster. But then Philly 2015, Roman Reigns, even The Rock coming out to celebrate with Roman Reigns wasn't enough to get the fans over on that one. That was, that was bad. 2016, Triple H. That one was sort of compelling, even though we kind of saw it coming with Reigns going in as number one as the champ having to defend it. Hello again and welcome to Shooting from the Lip. This is your host, John Sirio, along with my co-host, Rob Schiff. Rob, how's it going in New York? Doing well up here, man. Can't complain. Rob's got a little bit of big news, a little bit of unrelated WWE news, but worth uh, mentioning if you feel like sharing with the audience. <clears throat> sure, yeah. I recently got a job in uh, uh, for WBOY in, in Clarksburg, uh, West Virginia, and I'll be their sports reporter, uh, anchor, starting on February 19th, but that's not going to stop me from, uh, you know, contributing <clears throat> with John for sharpshooters, however I can, uh, whether it be a podcast or articles on the website. So that's not going to stop us from uh, doing our thing. Good to hear you have your priorities straight, Rob. You know it. <laughs> um, but congratulations anyways. Thanks, buddy. Uh, we got a lot to cover, though, before you head on over to WV. We're going to cover some WWE. And uh, what better way to start than with last week's Royal Rumble? Now, yep. I know that was about a week ago, but still we're feeling the effects, the ramifications. And I think it had to be one of the best Royal Rumbles I can remember, certainly in the last five to ten years. Sure. Um, when you think about it, I, I took the time to watch every single Royal Rumble from 88 all the way through 2017 ahead of 
last Sunday's event. And, uh, you know, some of it was fun and some of it not so much. Definitely some highs and lows in that 30-plus year tenure. But I would say this uh, this last installment had to be up there. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, what it boils down to is I think you know, we finally got what we wanted when it came to the actual Rumble match. And that's that's really been the complaint the last few years is that, you know, <clears throat> we're left a little, uh, you know, dis- disappointed, really, for the last few Rumbles, whether it be, you know, uh, the year when Brian got eliminated early and he was a favorite to win it and, you know, Roman Reigns winning it. And then mm-hmm. last year with the kind of finish with, with Orton winning it, um, I think they got it right this year in, in both Rumbles, really. Um, you know, Nakamura, fan favorite, uh, and giving us that dream match of, of him and Styles for WrestleMania. I, I mean, I haven't looked forward to a main event for WrestleMania after a Rumble in, really, in a really long time. So, I mean, I can't see how anybody uh, can, you know, can complain. Sure, they're probably, you know, not, there's some people that aren't fans of, of Nakamura as, an, as a wrestler or as an entertainer, but for the most part, I think they nailed this one especially like we talked about right after the rumble putting him in a, in a situation where it was against reigns. And, you know, we did think that reigns was probably going to pull it off to have Nakamura go over reigns like that. I think it was perfect. Yeah. I have to agree with you on that. And let's just give you a little bit of that recent rumble history. We'll, we'll even start with the new millennium. I mean, even way back in the attitude area when mm-hmm. that was uh, closing out, you had, I mean, Vince McMahon winning in 99. I'm not sure if uh, I'm a huge fan of that, but it was fun. Uh, but you had guys like The Rock, Steve Austin, Triple H, Lesnar. And then in 2004, we won't mention who won that, but I think we all know. Yep. Um, and then we had guys like Batista, Mysterio, Undertaker, John Cena in 2008 at Madison Square Garden when he came back at number 30. Even yep. Randy Orton and Edge closing out 2009 and 2010. I think those were all pretty solid wins. No yep. real complaints there. But right. when we get into 2011 through 2017, let's run through some of those names. We've got guys like Alberto Del Rio winning in 2011, the 40-man Royal Rumble, biggest one in history. A little bit yep. of a letdown. Sheamus in 2012 goes on to beat Daniel Bryan in, I believe it was eight seconds or 12 seconds after that kiss from A.J. Lee. A uh, little lackluster. John Cena in 2013 getting his second Rumble win, going on to fight The Rock again. Then you yep. had 2014, which was a disaster, with Batista coming back and winning that, right? which was very much not what the fans wanted to see. They wanted Daniel Bryan, and fortunately for WWE, they, they got Daniel Bryan there one way or another, but that could have been a disaster. But then Philly 2015, Roman Reigns, even The Rock coming out to celebrate with Roman Reigns wasn't enough to get the fans over on that one. That was, that was bad. 2016, Triple H. That one was sort of compelling, even though we kind of saw it coming with Reigns going in as number one as the champ having to defend it. Hello again, and welcome to Shooting from the Lip. This is your host, John Sirio, along with my co-host, Rob Schiff. Rob, how's it going in New York? Doing well up here, man. Can't complain. Rob's got a little bit of big news, a little bit of unrelated WWE news, but worth uh, mentioning if you feel like sharing with the audience. <clears throat> sure, yeah. I recently got a job in a 
uh, for WBOY in, in Clarksburg, uh, West Virginia. And I'll be their sports reporter, uh, anchor, starting on February 19th. But that's not going to stop me from, uh, you know, contributing <clears throat> with John for Sharpshooters however I can, uh, whether it be a podcast or articles on the website. So that's not going to stop us from uh, doing our thing. Good to hear you have your priorities straight, Rob. You know it. <laughs> um, but congratulations anyways. Thanks, buddy. Uh, we've got a lot to cover, though, before you head on over to WV. We're going to cover some WWE. And uh, <laughs> what better way to start than with last week's Royal Rumble? Now, yep. I know that was about a week ago, but still we're feeling the effects, the ramifications. And I think it had to be one of the best Royal Rumbles I can remember certainly in the last five to 10 years. Sure. Um, when you think about it, I, I took the time to watch every single Royal Rumble from 88 all the way through 2017 ahead of last Sunday's event. And, uh, you know, some of it was fun and some of it not so much. Definitely some highs and lows in that 30-plus year tenure. But I would say this, uh, this last installment had to be up there. Yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, what it boils down to is I think you know, we finally got what we wanted when it came to the actual rumble match. And that's, that's really been the complaint the last few years is that, you know, <clears throat> we're left a little, uh, you know, dis disappointed really for the last few rumbles, whether it be, you know, uh, the year when Brian got eliminated early and he was a favorite to win it. And, you know, Roman Reigns winning it. And then mm -hmm. last year with the kind of finish with, with Orton winning it. Um, I think they got it right this year in, in both rumbles, really. Um, you know, Nakamura, fan favorite, uh, and giving us that dream match of, of him and Styles for WrestleMania. I, I mean, I haven't looked forward to a main event for WrestleMania after a Rumble in, really, in a really long time. So, I mean, I can't see how anybody uh, can, you know, can complain. Sure, they're probably, you know, not, there's some people that aren't fans of, of Nakamura as, an, as a wrestler or as an entertainer. But for the most part, I think they nailed this one especially like we talked about right after the rumble, putting him in a, in a situation where it was against Reigns. And, you know, we did think that Reigns was probably going to pull it off to have Nakamura go over Reigns like that. I think it was perfect. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. And let's just give you a little bit of that recent rumble history. We'll, we'll even start with the new millennium. I mean, even way back in the attitude area, when mm -hmm. that was uh, closing out, you had, I mean, Vince McMahon winning in 99, not sure if uh, I'm a huge fan of that, but it was fun. Uh, but you had guys like The Rock, Steve Austin, Triple H, Lesnar. And then in 2004, we won't mention who won that, but I think we all know. Yep. Um, and then we had guys like Batista, Mysterio, Undertaker, John Cena in 2008 at Madison Square Garden when he came back at number 30. Even yep. Randy Orton and Edge closing out 2009 and 2010. I think those were all pretty solid wins. No yep. real complaints there. But right. when we get into 2011 through 2017, let's run through some of those names. We've got guys like Alberto Del Rio winning in 2011, the 40-man 40 40 Royal Rumble, biggest one in history. A little bit yep. of a letdown. Sheamus in 2012 goes on to beat Daniel Bryan in, I believe it was 8 seconds or 12 seconds after that kiss from AJ Lee. A uh, little lackluster. John Cena in 2013 getting his second Rumble win, going on to fight The Rock again. Then you yep. had 2014, which was a disaster, with Batista coming back and winning that, right? which was very much not what the fans wanted to see. They wanted Daniel Bryan, and 
fortunately for WWE, they, they got Daniel Bryan there one way or another, but that could have been a disaster. But then Philly 2015, Roman Reigns, even The Rock coming out to celebrate with Roman Reigns wasn't enough to get the fans over on that one. That was that was bad. 2016, Triple H. That one was sort of compelling, even though we kind of saw it coming with Reigns going in as number one as the champ having to defend it. Hello again, and welcome to Shooting from the Lip. This is your host, John Sirio, along with my co-host, Rob Schiff. Rob, how's it going in New York? Doing well up here, man. Can't complain. Rob's got a little bit of big news, a little bit of unrelated WWE news, but worth uh, mentioning if you feel like sharing with the audience. <clears throat> sure, yeah. I recently got a job in uh, uh, for WBOY in, in Clarksburg, uh, West Virginia, and I'll be their sports reporter, uh, anchor, starting on February 19th, but that's not going to stop me from, uh, you know, contributing <clears throat> with John for sharpshooters, however I can, uh, whether it be a podcast or articles on the website. So that's not going to stop us from uh, doing our thing. Good to hear you have your priorities straight, Rob. You know it. <laughs> um, but congratulations anyways. Thanks, buddy. Uh, we got a lot to cover, though, before you head on over to WV. We're going to cover some WWE. And uh, what better way to start than with last week's Royal Rumble? Now, yep. I know that was about a week ago, but still we're feeling the effects, the ramifications. And I think it had to be one of the best Royal Rumbles I can remember, certainly in the last five to ten years. Sure. Um, when you think about it, I, I took the time to watch every single Royal Rumble from 88 all the way through 2017 ahead of last Sunday's event. And, uh, you know, some of it was fun and some of it not so much. Definitely some highs and lows in that 30-plus year tenure. But I would say this uh, this last installment had to be up there. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, what it boils down to is I think you know, we finally got what we wanted when it came to the actual Rumble match. And that's, that's really been the complaint the last few years is that, you know, <clears throat> we're left a little, uh, you know, dis- disappointed, really, for the last few Rumbles, whether it be, you know uh, – the year when Brian got eliminated early and he was a favorite to win it and, you know, Roman Reigns winning it. And then mm-hmm. last year with the kind of finish with, with Orton winning it, um, I think they got it right this year in, in both Rumbles, really. Um, you know, Nakamura, fan favorite, uh, and giving us that dream match of, of him and Styles for WrestleMania. I, I mean, I haven't looked forward to a main event for WrestleMania after a Rumble in, really, in a really long time, so... I mean, I can't see how anybody uh, can, you know, can complain. Sure, they're probably, you know, not. There's some people that aren't fans of, of Nakamura as an as a wrestler or as a entertainer, but for the most part, I think they nailed this one. Especially like we talked about right after the Rumble, putting him in a in a situation where it was against Reigns, and you know, we did think that Reigns was probably going to pull it off to have Nakamura go over Reigns like that. I think it was perfect. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. And let's just give you a little bit of that recent Rumble history. We'll we'll even start with the new millennium. I mean, even way back in the Attitude Area when that was uh, closing out, you had, I mean, Vince McMahon winning in 99. I'm not sure if uh, I'm a huge fan of that, but it was fun. Uh, But you had guys like The Rock, Steve Austin, Triple H, Lesnar, 
And then in 2004, we won't mention who won that, but I think we all know. Yep. Um, and then we had guys like Batista, Mysterio, Undertaker, John Cena in 2008 at Madison Square Garden when he came back at number 30. Even yep. Randy Orton and Edge closing out 2009 and 2010. I think those were all pretty solid wins. No yep. real complaints there. But right. when we get into 2011 through 2017, let's run through some of those names. We've got guys like Alberto Del Rio winning in 2011, the 40-man Royal Rumble, biggest one in history. A little bit of a letdown. Sheamus in 2012 goes on to beat Daniel Bryan in, I believe it was eight seconds or 12 seconds after that kiss from A.J. Lee. A little lackluster. John Cena in 2013 getting his second Rumble win, going on to fight The Rock again. Then you had 2014, which was a disaster with Batista coming back and winning that, right? which was very much not what the fans wanted to see. They wanted Daniel Bryan, and fortunately for WWE, they, they got Daniel Bryan there one way or another, but that could have been a disaster. But then Philly 2015, Roman Reigns, even The Rock coming out to celebrate with Roman Reigns wasn't enough to get the fans over on that one. That was, that was bad. 2016, Triple H. That one was sort of compelling, even though we kind of saw it coming with Reigns going in as number one as the champ having to defend it. Hello again, and welcome to Shooting from the Lip. This is your host, John Sirio, along with my co-host, Rob Schiff. Rob, how's it going in New York? Doing well up here, man. Can't complain. Rob's got a little bit of big news, a little bit of unrelated WWE news, but worth uh, mentioning if you feel like sharing with the audience. <clears throat> sure, yeah. I recently got a job in uh, uh, for WBOY in, in Clarksburg, uh, West Virginia, and I'll be their sports reporter, uh, anchor, starting on February 19th. But that's not going to stop me from... Uh, you know, contributing <clears throat> with John for sharpshooters, however I can, uh, whether it be a podcast or articles on the website. So that's not going to stop us from uh, doing our thing. Good to hear you have your priorities straight, Rob. You know it. <laughs> um, but congratulations anyways. Thanks, buddy. Uh, we got a lot to cover, though, before you head on over to WV. We're going to cover some WWE. And uh, <laughs> what better way to start than with last week's Royal Rumble. Now, yep. I know that was about a week ago, but still we're feeling the effects, the ramifications, and I think it had to be one of the best Royal Rumbles I can remember, certainly in the last five to ten years. Sure. Um, when you think about it, I, I took the time to watch every single Royal Rumble from 88 all the way through 2017 ahead of last Sunday's event, and, uh, you know, some of it was fun and some of it not so much. Definitely some highs and lows in that 30-plus year tenure, but I would say this uh, this last installment had to be up there. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, what it boils down to is I think you know, we finally got what we wanted when it came to the actual Rumble match, and that's that's really been the complaint the last few years is that, you know, <clears throat> we're left a little, uh, you know, dis- disappointed, really, for the last few Rumbles, whether it be, you know, uh, the year when Brian got eliminated early and he was a favorite to win it and, you know, Roman Reigns winning it. And then mm-hmm. last year with the kind of finish with, with Orton winning it, um, I think they got it right this year in, in both Rumbles, really. Um, you know, Nakamura 
fan favorite uh, and giving us that dream match of, of him and Styles for WrestleMania. I, I mean, I haven't looked forward to a main event for WrestleMania after a Rumble in, really, in a really long time. So, I mean, I can't see how anybody uh, can, you know, can complain. Sure, they're probably, you know, not, there's some people that aren't fans of, of Nakamura as, an, as a wrestler or as an entertainer, but for the most part, I think they nailed this one, especially like we talked about right after the Rumble putting him in a, in a situation where it was against Reigns. And, you know, we did think that Reigns was probably going to pull it off to have Nakamura go over Reigns like that. I think it was perfect. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. And let's just give you a little bit of that recent Rumble history. We'll, we'll even start with the new millennium. I mean, even way back in the Attitude Area when mm-hmm. that was uh, closing out, you had, I mean, Vince McMahon winning in 99. I'm not sure if uh, I'm a huge fan of that, but it was fun. <laughs> Uh, but you had guys like The Rock, Steve Austin, Triple H, Lesnar. And then in 2004, we won't mention who won that, but I think we all know. Yep. Um, and then we had guys like Batista, Mysterio, Undertaker, John Cena in 2008 at Madison Square Garden when he came back at number 30. Even yep. Randy Orton and Edge closing out 2009 and 2010. I think those were all pretty solid wins. No yep. real complaints there. But right. when we get into 2011 through 2017, let's run through some of those names. We've got guys like Alberto Del Rio winning in 2011, the 40-man 40 40 Royal Rumble, biggest one in history. A little bit of a letdown. Sheamus in 2012 goes on to beat Daniel Bryan in, I believe it was 8 seconds or 12 seconds after that kiss from AJ Lee. A little lackluster. John Cena in 2013 getting his second Rumble win, going on to fight The Rock again. Then you yep. had 2014, which was a disaster with Batista coming back and winning that, right, which was very much not what the fans wanted to see. They wanted Daniel Bryan, and fortunately for WWE, they, they got Daniel Bryan there one way or another, but that could have been a disaster. But then Philly 2015, Roman Reigns, even The Rock coming out to celebrate with Roman Reigns wasn't enough to get the fans over on that one. That was, that was bad. 2016, Triple H. That one was sort of compelling, even though we kind of saw it coming with Reigns going in as number one as the champ, having to defend it. Hello again, and welcome to Shooting from the Lip. This is your host, John Sirio, along with my co-host, Rob Schiff. Rob, how's it going in New York? Doing well up here, man. Can't complain. Rob's got a little bit of big news, a little bit of unrelated WWE news, but worth uh, mentioning if you feel like sharing with the audience. <clears throat> sure, yeah. I recently got a job in uh, uh, for WBOY in, in Clarksburg, uh, West Virginia, and I'll be their sports reporter, uh, anchor, starting on February 19th. But that's not going to stop me from... Uh, you know, contributing <clears throat> with John for sharpshooters, however I can, uh, whether it be a podcast or articles on the website. So that's not going to stop us from uh, doing our thing. Good to hear you have your priorities straight, Rob. You know it. <laughs> um, but congratulations anyways. Thanks, buddy. Uh, we got a lot to cover, though, before you head on over to WV. We're going to cover some WWE. And uh, <laughs> what better way to start than with last week's Royal Rumble. Now, yep. I know that was about a week ago, but still we're feeling the effects, the ramifications, and I think it had to be one of the best Royal Rumbles I can remember. 
certainly in the last five to 10 years. Sure. Um, when you think about it, I, I took the time to watch every single Royal Rumble from 88 all the way through 2017 ahead of last Sunday's event. And, uh, you know, some of it was fun and some of it not so much. Definitely some highs and lows in that 30-plus year tenure. But I would say this, uh, this last installment had to be up there. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, what it boils down to is I think you know, we finally got what we wanted when it came to the actual Rumble match. And that's that's really been the complaint the last few years is that, you know, <clears throat> we're left a little, uh, you know, dis- disappointed, really, for the last few Rumbles, whether it be, you know, uh, the year when Brian got eliminated early and he was a favorite to win it and, you know, Roman Reigns winning it. And then mm-hmm. last year with the kind of – finished with with Orton winning it um I think they got it right this year in in both rumbles really um you know Nakamura fan favorite uh and giving us that dream match of of him and Styles for Wrestlemania I I mean I haven't looked forward to a main event for Wrestlemania after a rumble in really in a really long time so I mean I can't see how anybody uh, can you know can complain? Sure, they're probably you know not. There's some people that aren't fans of of Nakamura as an as a wrestler or as a entertainer, but for the most part, I think they nailed this one. Especially like we talked about right after the Rumble, putting him in a in a situation where it was against Reigns, and you know we did think that Reigns was probably going to pull it off to have Nakamura go over Reigns like that. I think it was perfect. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. And let's just give you a little bit of that recent Rumble history. We'll we'll even start with the new millennium. I mean, even way back in the Attitude Area when that was uh, closing out, you had, I mean, Vince McMahon winning in 99. I'm not sure if uh, I'm a huge fan of that, but it was fun. Uh, But you had guys like The Rock, Steve Austin, Triple H, Lesnar. And then in 2004, we won't mention who won that, but I think we all know. Yep. Um, And then we had guys like Batista, Mysterio, Undertaker. John Cena in 2008 at Madison Square Garden when he came back at number 30. Even Randy Orton and Edge closing out 2009 and 2010. I think those were all pretty solid wins. No real complaints there. But when we get into 2011 through 2017, let's run through some of those names. We've got guys like Alberto Del Rio winning in 2011, the 40-man Royal Rumble, biggest one in history. A little bit of a letdown. Sheamus in 2012 goes on to beat Daniel Bryan in, I believe it was eight seconds or 12 seconds after that kiss from AJ Lee. A uh, little lackluster. John Cena in 2013 getting his second Rumble win, going on to fight The Rock again. Then you yep. had 2014, which was a disaster, with Batista coming back and winning that, Right, which was very much not what the fans wanted to see. They wanted Daniel Bryan and Fortunately for WWE, they, they got Daniel Bryan there one way or another, but that could have been a disaster. But then Philly 2015, Roman Reigns, even The Rock coming out to celebrate with Roman Reigns wasn't enough to get the fans over on that one. That was that was bad. 2016, Triple H. That one was sort of compelling, even though we kind of saw it coming with Reigns going in as number one as the champ having to defend it. Hello again and welcome to Shooting from the Lip. This is your host, John Sirio, along with my co-host, Rob Schiff. Rob, how's it going in New York? Doing well up here, man. Can't complain. 
Rob's got a little bit of big news, a little bit of unrelated WWE news, but worth uh, mentioning if you feel like sharing with the audience. <clears throat> sure, yeah. I recently got a job in uh, uh, for WBOY in, in Clarksburg, uh, West Virginia, and I'll be their sports reporter, uh, anchor, starting on February 19th. But that's not going to stop me from uh, – you know, contributing <clears throat> with John for sharpshooters, however I can, uh, whether it be a podcast or articles on the website. So that's not going to stop us from uh, doing our thing. Good to hear you have your priorities straight, Rob. You know it. <laughs> um, but congratulations anyways. Thanks, buddy. Uh, we've got a lot to cover, though, before you head on over to WV. We're going to cover some WWE. And uh, <laughs> what better way to start than with last week's Royal Rumble. Now, yep. I know that was about a week ago, but still we're feeling the effects, the ramifications, and I think it had to be one of the best Royal Rumbles I can remember, certainly in the last five to ten years. Sure. Um, when you think about it, I, I took the time to watch every single Royal Rumble from 88 all the way through 2017 ahead of last Sunday's event, and, uh, you know, some of it was fun and some of it not so much. Definitely some highs and lows in that 30-plus year tenure, but I would say this uh, this last installment had to be up there. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, what it boils down to is I think you know, we finally got what we wanted when it came to the actual Rumble match, and that's that's really been the complaint the last few years is that, you know, <clears throat> we're left a little, uh, you know, dis- disappointed, really, for the last few Rumbles, whether it be, you know, uh, the year when Brian got eliminated early and he was a favorite to win it and, you know, Roman Reigns winning it. And then mm-hmm. last year with the kind of finish with, with Orton winning it, um, I think they got it right this year in, in both Rumbles, really. Um, you know, Nakamura, fan favorite, uh, and giving us that dream match of, of him and Styles for WrestleMania. I, I mean, I haven't looked forward to a main event for WrestleMania after a Rumble in really in a really long time, so... I mean, I can't see how anybody uh, can, you know, can complain. Sure, they're probably, you know, not. There's some people that aren't fans of, of Nakamura as an as a wrestler or as a entertainer, but for the most part, I think they nailed this one. Especially like we talked about right after the Rumble, putting him in a in a situation where it was against Reigns, and you know, we did think that Reigns was probably going to pull it off to have Nakamura go over Reigns like that. I think it was perfect. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. And let's just give you a little bit of that recent Rumble history. We'll, we'll even start with the new millennium. I mean, even way back in the Attitude Area when that was uh, closing out, you had, I mean, Vince McMahon winning in 99. I'm not sure if uh, I'm a huge fan of that, but it was fun. Uh, but you had guys like The Rock, Steve Austin, Triple H, Lesnar. And then in 2004, we won't mention who won that, but I think we all know. Yep. Um, and then we had guys like Batista, Mysterio, Undertaker. John Cena in 2008 at Madison Square Garden when he came back at number 30. Even Randy Orton and Edge closing out 2009 and 2010. I think those were all pretty solid wins. No real complaints there. But when we get into 2011 through 2017, let's run through some of those names. We've got guys like Alberto Del Rio winning in 2011, the 40-man Royal Rumble, biggest one in history. A little bit of a letdown. Sheamus in 2012 goes on to beat Daniel Bryan in, I believe it was eight seconds or 12 seconds after that kiss from AJ Lee. A little lackluster. John Cena in 2013 getting his second Rumble win, going on to fight The Rock again. Then you had 2014, which was a disaster, with Batista coming back and winning that. 
Right. Which was very much not what the fans wanted to see. They wanted Daniel Bryan. And fortunately for WWE, they, they got Daniel Bryan there one way or another. But that could have been a disaster. But then Philly 2015, Roman Reigns, even The Rock coming out to celebrate with Roman Reigns wasn't enough to get the fans over on that one. That was that was bad. 2016, Triple H. That one was sort of compelling, even though we kind of saw it coming with Reigns going in as number one as the champ, having to defend it. Hello again, and welcome to Shooting from the Lip. This is your host, John Sirio, along with my co-host, Rob Schiff. Rob, how's it going in New York? Doing well up here, man. Can't complain. Rob's got a little bit of big news, a little bit of unrelated WWE news, but worth uh, mentioning if you feel like sharing with the audience. <clears throat> sure, yeah. I recently got a job in uh, uh, for WBOY in, in Clarksburg, uh, West Virginia, and I'll be their sports reporter, uh, anchor, starting on February 19th, but that's not going to stop me from, uh, you know, contributing <clears throat> with John for sharpshooters, however I can, uh, whether it be a podcast or articles on the website. So that's not going to stop us from uh, doing our thing. Good to hear you have your priorities straight, Rob. You know it. <laughs> um, but congratulations anyways. Thanks, buddy. Uh, we got a lot to cover, though, before you head on over to WV. We're going to cover some WWE. <laughs> and uh, what better way to start than with last week's Royal Rumble? Now, yep. I know that was about a week ago, but still we're feeling the effects, the ramifications. And I think it had to be one of the best Royal Rumbles I can remember, certainly in the last five to ten years. Sure. Um, when you think about it, I, I took the time to watch every single Royal Rumble from 88 all the way through 2017 ahead of last Sunday's event. And, uh, you know, some of it was fun and some of it not so much. Definitely some highs and lows in that 30-plus year tenure. But I would say this uh, this last installment had to be up there. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, what it boils down to is I think you know, we finally got what we wanted when it came to the actual Rumble match. And that's, that's really been the complaint the last few years is that, you know, <clears throat> we're left a little, uh, you know, dis- disappointed, really, for the last few Rumbles, whether it be, you know uh, – the year when Brian got eliminated early and he was a favorite to win it and, you know, Roman Reigns winning it. And then last year with the kind of finish with, with Orton winning it, um, I think they got it right this year in, in both Rumbles, really. Um, you know, Nakamura, fan favorite, uh, and giving us that dream match of, of him and Styles for WrestleMania. I, I mean, I haven't looked forward to a main event for WrestleMania after a Rumble in, really, in a really long time, so... I mean, I can't see how anybody uh, can, you know, can complain. Sure, they're probably, you know, not. There's some people that aren't fans of, of Nakamura as an as a wrestler or as a entertainer, but for the most part, I think they nailed this one. Especially like we talked about right after the Rumble, putting him in a in a situation where it was against Reigns, and you know, we did think that Reigns was probably going to pull it off to have Nakamura go over Reigns like that. I think it was perfect. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. And let's just give you a little bit of that recent Rumble history. We'll, we'll even start with the new millennium. I mean, even way back in the Attitude Area when that was uh, closing out, you had, I mean, Vince McMahon winning in 99. I'm not sure if uh, I'm a huge fan of that, but it was fun. 
Uh, but you had guys like The Rock, Steve Austin, Triple H, Lesnar. And then in 2004, we won't mention who won that, but I think we all know. Yep. Um, and then we had guys like Batista, Mysterio, Undertaker, John Cena in 2008 at Madison Square Garden when he came back at number 30. Even yep. Randy Orton and Edge closing out 2009 and 2010. I think those were all pretty solid wins. No yep. real complaints there. But right. when we get into 2011 through 2017, let's run through some of those names. We've got guys like Alberto Del Rio winning in 2011, the 40-man 40 40-man 40 Royal Rumble, biggest one in history. A little bit yep. of a letdown. Sheamus in 2012 goes on to beat Daniel Bryan in, I believe it was eight seconds or 12 seconds after that kiss from A.J. Lee. A uh, little lackluster. John Cena in 2013 getting his second Rumble win, going on to fight The Rock again. Then you yep. had 2014, which was a disaster, with Batista coming back and winning that, right? which was very much not what the fans wanted to see. They wanted Daniel Bryan, and fortunately for WWE, they, they got Daniel Bryan there one way or another, but that could have been a disaster. But then Philly 2015, Roman Reigns, even The Rock coming out to celebrate with Roman Reigns wasn't enough to get the fans over on that one. That was That was bad. 2016, Triple H. That one was sort of compelling, even though we kind of saw it coming with Reigns going in as number one as the champ having to defend it. Hello again, and welcome to Shooting from the Lip. This is your host, John Sirio, along with my co-host, Rob Schiff. Rob, how's it going in New York? Doing well up here, man. Can't complain. Rob's got a little bit of big news, a little bit of unrelated WWE news, but worth uh, mentioning if you feel like sharing with the audience. <clears throat> sure, yeah. I recently got a job in uh, uh, for WBOY in, in Clarksburg, uh, West Virginia, and I'll be their sports reporter, uh, anchor, starting on February 19th. But that's not going to stop me from uh, – you know, contributing <clears throat> with John for sharpshooters, however I can, uh, whether it be a podcast or articles on the website. So that's not going to stop us from uh, doing our thing. Good to hear you have your priorities straight, Rob. You know it. <laughs> um, but congratulations anyways. Thanks, buddy. Uh, we got a lot to cover, though, before you head on over to WV. We're sure going to cover some WWE. And uh, <laughs> what better way to start than with last week's Royal Rumble. Now, yep. I know that was about a week ago, but still we're feeling the effects, the ramifications, and I think it had to be one of the best Royal Rumbles I can remember, certainly in the last five to ten years. Sure. Um, when you think about it, I, I took the time to watch every single Royal Rumble from 88 all the way through 2017 ahead of last Sunday's event, and, uh, you know, some of it was fun and some of it not so much. Definitely some highs and lows in that 30-plus year tenure, but I would say this uh, this last installment had to be up there. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, what it boils down to is I think you know, we finally got what we wanted when it came to the actual Rumble match, and that's that's really been the complaint the last few years is that, you know, <clears throat> we're left a little, uh, you know, dis disappointed, really, for the last few Rumbles, whether it be, you know, uh, the year when Brian got eliminated early and he was a favorite to win it and, you know, Roman Reigns winning it. And then mm -hmm. last year with the kind of finish with, with Orton winning it, 
Um, I think they got it right this year in, in both Rumbles, really. Um, you know, Nakamura, fan favorite, uh, and giving us that dream match of, of him and Styles for WrestleMania. I, I mean, I haven't looked forward to a main event for WrestleMania after a Rumble in, really, in a really long time. So, I mean, I can't see how anybody uh, can, you know, can complain. Sure, they're probably, you know, not, there's some people that aren't fans of, of Nakamura as, an, as a wrestler or as an entertainer, but for the most part, I think they nailed this one especially like we talked about right after the rumble putting him in a in a situation where it was against Reigns and you know we did think that Reigns was probably going to pull it off to have Nakamura go over Reigns like that I think it was perfect. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that and let's just give you a little bit of that recent rumble history. We'll we'll even start with the new millennium. I mean, even way back in the attitude area when mm-hmm. that was uh closing out, you had I mean, Vince McMahon winning in 99. I'm not sure if uh, I'm a huge fan of that, but it was fun. Uh, but you had guys like The Rock, Steve Austin, Triple H, Lesnar. And then in 2004, we won't mention who won that, but I think we all know. Yep. Um, and then we had guys like Batista, Mysterio, Undertaker, John Cena in 2008 at Madison Square Garden when he came back at number 30. Even yep. Randy Orton and Edge closing out 2009 and 2010. I think those were all pretty solid wins. No yep. real complaints there. But right. when we get into 2011 through 2017, let's run through some of those names. We've got guys like Alberto Del Rio winning in 2011, the 40-man 40 40 Royal Rumble, biggest one in history. A little bit yep. of a letdown. Sheamus in 2012 goes on to beat Daniel Bryan in, I believe it was 8 seconds or 12 seconds after that kiss from AJ Lee. A little lackluster. John Cena in 2013 getting his second Rumble win, going on to fight The Rock again. Then you yep. had 2014, which was a disaster, with Batista coming back and winning that, right? which was very much not what the fans wanted to see. They wanted Daniel Bryan, and fortunately for WWE, they, they got Daniel Bryan there one way or another, but that could have been a disaster. But then Philly 2015, Roman Reigns, even The Rock coming out to celebrate with Roman Reigns wasn't enough to get the fans over on that one. That was, that was bad. 2016, Triple H. That one was sort of compelling, even though we kind of saw it coming with Reigns going in as number one as the champ, having to defend it. Hello again, and welcome to Shooting from the Lip. This is your host, John Sirio, along with my co-host, Rob Schiff. Rob, how's it going in New York? Doing well up here, man. Can't complain. Rob's got a little bit of big news, a little bit of unrelated WWE news, but worth uh, mentioning if you feel like sharing with the audience. <clears throat> sure, yeah. I recently got a job in uh, uh, for WBOY in, in Clarksburg, uh, West Virginia, and I'll be their sports reporter, uh, anchor, starting on February 19th. But that's not going to stop me from... Uh, you know, contributing <clears throat> with John for sharpshooters, however I can, uh, whether it be a podcast or articles on the website. So that's not going to stop us from uh, doing our thing. Good to hear you have your priorities straight, Rob. You know it. <laughs> um, but congratulations anyways. Thanks, buddy. Uh, we got a lot to cover, though, before you head on over to WV. We're going to cover some WWE. And uh, what better way to start than with last week's Royal Rumble? Now, yep. I know that was about a week ago, but still, we're 
feeling the effects, the ramifications, and I think it had to be one of the best Royal Rumbles I can remember, certainly in the last five to ten years. Sure. Um, when you think about it, I, I took the time to watch every single Royal Rumble from 88 all the way through 2017 ahead of last Sunday's event, and, uh, you know, some of it was fun and some of it not so much. Definitely some highs and lows in that 30-plus year tenure, but I would say this uh, this last installment had to be up there. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, what it boils down to is I think you know, we finally got what we wanted when it came to the actual Rumble match, and that's that's really been the complaint the last few years is that, you know, <clears throat> we're left a little, uh, you know, dis- disappointed, really, for the last few Rumbles, whether it be, you know, uh, the year when Brian got eliminated early and he was a favorite to win it and, you know, Roman Reigns winning it. And then last year with the kind of finish with, with Orton winning it, um, I think they got it right this year in, in both Rumbles, really. Um, you know, Nakamura, fan favorite, uh, and giving us that dream match of, of him and Styles for WrestleMania. I, I mean, I haven't looked forward to a main event for WrestleMania after a Rumble in, really, in a really long time, so... I mean, I can't see how anybody uh, can, you know, can complain. Sure, they're probably, you know, not. There's some people that aren't fans of, of Nakamura as an as a wrestler or as a entertainer, but for the most part, I think they nailed this one. Especially like we talked about right after the Rumble, putting him in a in a situation where it was against Reigns, and you know, we did think that Reigns was probably going to pull it off to have Nakamura go over Reigns like that. I think it was perfect. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. And let's just give you a little bit of that recent Rumble history. We'll, we'll even start with the new millennium. I mean, even way back in the Attitude Area when that was uh, closing out, you had, I mean, Vince McMahon winning in 99. I'm not sure if uh, I'm a huge fan of that, but it was fun. Uh, but you had guys like The Rock, Steve Austin, Triple H, Lesnar. And then in 2004, we won't mention who won that, but I think we all know. Yep. Um, and then we had guys like Batista, Mysterio, Undertaker. John Cena in 2008 at Madison Square Garden when he came back at number 30. Even Randy Orton and Edge closing out 2009 and 2010. I think those were all pretty solid wins. No real complaints there. But when we get into 2011 through 2017, let's run through some of those names. We've got guys like Alberto Del Rio winning in 2011, the 40-man Royal Rumble, biggest one in history. A little bit of a letdown. Sheamus in 2012 goes on to beat Daniel Bryan in, I believe it was eight seconds or 12 seconds after that kiss from AJ Lee. A uh, little lackluster. John Cena in 2013 getting his second Rumble win, going on to fight The Rock again. Then you yep. had 2014, which was a disaster, with Batista coming back and winning that. Right. Which was very much not what the fans wanted to see. They wanted Daniel Bryan and Fortunately for WWE, they, they got Daniel Bryan there one way or another, but that could have been a disaster. But then Philly 2015, Roman Reigns, even The Rock coming out to celebrate with Roman Reigns wasn't enough to get the fans over on that one. That was that was bad. 2016, Triple H. That one was sort of compelling, even though we kind of saw it coming with Reigns going in as number one as the champ having to defend it. Hello again and welcome to Shooting from the Lip, 
This is your host, John Siri, along with my co-host, Rob Schiff. Rob, how's it going in New York? Doing well up here, man. Can't complain. Rob's got a little bit of big news, a little bit of unrelated WWE news, but worth uh, mentioning if you feel like sharing with the audience. <clears throat> sure, yeah. I recently got a job in uh, uh, for WBOY in, in Clarksburg, uh, West Virginia, and I'll be their sports reporter, uh, anchor, starting on February 19th. But that's not going to stop me from uh, – you know, contributing <clears throat> with John for sharpshooters, however I can, uh, whether it be a podcast or articles on the website. So that's not going to stop us from uh, doing our thing. Good to hear you have your priorities straight, Rob. You know it. <laughs> um, but congratulations anyways. Thanks, buddy. Uh, we've got a lot to cover, though, before you head on over to WV. We're sure going to cover some WWE. And uh, <laughs> what better way to start than with last week's Royal Rumble. Now, yep. I know that was about a week ago, but still we're feeling the effects, the ramifications, and I think it had to be one of the best Royal Rumbles I can remember, certainly in the last five to ten years. Sure. Um, when you think about it, I, I took the time to watch every single Royal Rumble from 88 all the way through 2017 ahead of last Sunday's event, and, uh, you know, some of it was fun and some of it not so much. Definitely some highs and lows in that 30-plus year tenure, but I would say this uh, this last installment had to be up there. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, what it boils down to is I think you know, we finally got what we wanted when it came to the actual Rumble match, and that's that's really been the complaint the last few years is that, you know, <clears throat> we're left a little, uh, you know, dis- disappointed, really, for the last few Rumbles, whether it be, you know, uh, the year when Brian got eliminated early and he was a favorite to win it and, you know, Roman Reigns winning it. And then mm-hmm. last year with the kind of finish with, with Orton winning it, um, I think they got it right this year in, in both Rumbles, really. Um, you know, Nakamura, fan favorite, uh, and giving us that dream match of, of him and Styles for WrestleMania. I, I mean, I haven't looked forward to a main event for WrestleMania after a Rumble in really in a really long time, so... I mean, I can't see how anybody uh, can, you know, can complain. Sure, they're probably, you know, not. There's some people that aren't fans of, of Nakamura as an as a wrestler or as a entertainer, but for the most part, I think they nailed this one. Especially like we talked about right after the Rumble, putting him in a in a situation where it was against Reigns, and you know, we did think that Reigns was probably going to pull it off to have Nakamura go over Reigns like that. I think it was perfect. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. And let's just give you a little bit of that recent Rumble history. We'll, we'll even start with the new millennium. I mean, even way back in the Attitude Area when that was uh, closing out, you had, I mean, Vince McMahon winning in 99. I'm not sure if uh, I'm a huge fan of that, but it was fun. Uh, but you had guys like The Rock, Steve Austin, Triple H, Lesnar. And then in 2004, we won't mention who won that, but I think we all know. Yep. Um, and then we had guys like Batista, Mysterio, Undertaker. John Cena in 2008 at Madison Square Garden when he came back at number 30. Even Randy Orton and Edge closing out 2009 and 2010. I think those were all pretty solid wins. No real complaints there. But when we get into 2011 through 2017, let's run through some of those names. We've got guys like Alberto Del Rio winning in 2011, the 40-man Royal Rumble, biggest one in history. A little bit of a letdown. Sheamus in 2012 goes on to beat Daniel Bryan in, I believe it was eight seconds or 12 seconds after that kiss from A.J. Lee. A little lackluster. John Cena in 2013 getting his second Rumble win. 
going on to fight The Rock again. Then you yep. had 2014, which was a disaster, with Batista coming back and winning that. Right. Which was very much not what the fans wanted to see. They wanted Daniel Bryan. And fortunately for WWE, they, they got Daniel Bryan there one way or another. But that could have been a disaster. But then Philly 2015, Roman Reigns, even The Rock coming out to celebrate with Roman Reigns wasn't enough to get the fans over on that one. That was that was bad. 2016, Triple H. That one was sort of compelling, even though we kind of saw it coming with Reigns going in as number one as the champ, having to defend it. Hello again, and welcome to Shooting from the Lip. This is your host, John Sirio, along with my co-host, Rob Schiff. Rob, how's it going in New York? Doing well up here, man. Can't complain. Rob's got a little bit of big news, a little bit of unrelated WWE news, but worth uh, mentioning if you feel like sharing with the audience. <clears throat> sure, yeah. I recently got a job in uh, uh, for WBOY in, in Clarksburg, uh, West Virginia, and I'll be their sports reporter, uh, anchor, starting on February 19th. But that's not going to stop me from... Uh, you know, contributing <clears throat> with John for sharpshooters, however I can, uh, whether it be a podcast or articles on the website. So that's not going to stop us from uh, doing our thing. Good to hear you have your priorities straight, Rob. You know it. <laughs> um, but congratulations anyways. Thanks, buddy. Uh, we got a lot to cover, though, before you head on over to WV. We're going to cover some WWE. And uh, <laughs> what better way to start than with last week's Royal Rumble. Now, yep. I know that was about a week ago, but still we're feeling the effects, the ramifications, and I think it had to be one of the best Royal Rumbles I can remember, certainly in the last five to ten years. Sure. Um, when you think about it, I, I took the time to watch every single Royal Rumble from 88 all the way through 2017 ahead of last Sunday's event, and, uh, you know, some of it was fun and some of it not so much. Definitely some highs and lows in that 30-plus year tenure, but I would say this uh, this last installment had to be up there. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, what it boils down to is I think you know, we finally got what we wanted when it came to the actual Rumble match, and that's that's really been the complaint the last few years is that, you know, <clears throat> we're left a little, uh, you know, dis- disappointed, really, for the last few Rumbles, whether it be, you know, uh, the year when Brian got eliminated early and he was a favorite to win it and, you know, Roman Reigns winning it. And then mm-hmm. last year with the kind of finish with, with Orton winning it, um, I think they got it right this year in, in both rumbles, really. Um, you know, Nakamura fan favorite uh, and giving us that dream match of, of him and Styles for WrestleMania. I, I mean, I haven't looked forward to a main event for WrestleMania after a rumble in really, in a really long time. So, I mean, I can't see how anybody uh, can, you know, can complain. Sure, they're probably, you know, not. There's some people that aren't fans of, of Nakamura as an as a wrestler or as a entertainer, but for the most part, I think they nailed this one. Especially like we talked about right after the Rumble, putting him in a in a situation where it was against Reigns, and you know, we did think that Reigns was probably going to pull it off to have Nakamura go over Reigns like that. I think it was perfect. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. And let's just give you a little bit of that recent Rumble history. We'll, we'll even start with the new millennium. 
I mean, even way back in the Attitude Area when that was uh, closing out, you had, I mean, Vince McMahon winning in 99. I'm not sure if uh, I'm a huge fan of that, but it was fun. Uh, but you had guys like The Rock, Steve Austin, Triple H, Lesnar. And then in 2004, we won't mention who won that, but I think we all know. Yep. Um, and then we had guys like Batista, Mysterio, Undertaker, John Cena in 2008 at Madison Square Garden when he came back at number 30. Even Randy Orton and Edge closing out 2009 and 2010. I think those were all pretty solid wins. No yeah. real complaints there. But right. when we get into 2011 through 2017, let's run through some of those names. We've got guys like Alberto Del Rio winning in 2011, the 40-man 40 40 Royal Rumble, biggest one in history. A little bit yeah. of a letdown. Sheamus in 2012 goes on to beat Daniel Bryan in, I believe it was 8 seconds or 12 seconds after that kiss from AJ Lee. A uh, little lackluster. John Cena in 2013, getting his second Rumble win, going on to fight The Rock again. Then you yep. had 2014, which was a disaster, with Batista coming back and winning that. Right. Which was very much not what the fans wanted to see. They wanted Daniel Bryan. And fortunately for WWE, they, they got Daniel Bryan there one way or another. But that could have been a disaster. But then Philly 2015, Roman Reigns... Even The Rock coming out to celebrate with Roman Reigns wasn't enough to get the fans over on that one. That was that was bad. 2016, Triple H. That one was sort of <laughs> compelling, even though we kind of saw it coming with Reigns going in as number one as the champ, having to defend it 